I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin, and to my left is... John Cole. To my right is... Cole Bear. And thank you very much to our good friend, Ryan Scruffin-Cargill, once again, for our theme tune. Um, so we're just saying there now, we like, we like the fact that because we, played, because we played it two weeks in a row, it's definitely the theme song. <laughs> 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 because it's not one listener submitted their own fucking version, so second. <laughs> but they can keep submitting intros to let's talk more oh, definitely <laughs> that was me cutting you off like, <laughs> like <laughs> also uh, our competition is still running it's going to run for another week and we'll announce the winner next week yeah. so if you if you'd like to enter it's uh, six degrees separation you have to try and connect uh, John Wayne to Macaulay Culkin using actors and directors they've worked with whoever gets in the least amount of movies wins and if People get in the same amount of movies. We'll do we, we dip live on air. Oh baby, and just they throw a wee incentive dip as well. I've actually got these another multi pack of what it's like. So you know what I mean. So free for all now. So so the prizes are two multi packs of what? Oh jeez, you know what I mean. I'm fucking spoiled. Uh, a DVD from Colm Heron's personal collection, and also yes. and also a give me a shape one. A personalized message, I believe. <laughs> yep. And it's a picture of Steve McQueen, and then when we tell you a couple of horrible things about Steve McQueen. Oh, oh. <laughs> Should we get them a photo? Would they want to see a photo of us three mugs? Probably not. Nah, I'm more than that. Well, well, the photo. Like, fuck that. Maybe, maybe a photo of the, of the the blanket fort. Uh, maybe yeah. the blanket fort. Maybe, maybe a picture of yeah. our three holes. People will be writing and they retract their answers. Take it back. Take it all back. And also, let's talk more movies, pint glass, or wine glass, whatever you want, we can discuss it. And one last thing, I'd like to say happy birthday to Vin Diesel. He's is 48 today. What? He's Vin, Vin Diesel's 48. for 48. He's 35, he's a first class jury. Was he fuck? Because mm. I suppose when he done, Jesus, what was it, like Boiler Room? He was like definitely like mid-20s or something room. like that there. Madness, well, happy birthday, Vin. Long may you continue playing the same character over and over again. Uh, yeah. I am going to dive right on the danger <laughs> bottle. Slag him off on his birthday. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually a bit of a fan of him as well. Uh, so do I. Do you know what I do like him? I used to fucking like not like him. I thought he just kind of uh, be me. He just kind of seemed like the, the stereotypical action fucking meathead. And he seemed mm. like he had a body of needle at the start. But then i seen like fucking Pitch Black and stuff like that and Boiler Room I was like fuck you know what mm. you know, he's, he's not just that sort of fucking actor he seems like a cool dude and then he had Groot and then Fast and Furious film got fucking good in the film as well when he's over really? Pitch Black? no he wrote uh, did he not direct Pitch Black though? no he, I thought he wrote and directed it I'm nearly sure he does he produced the second one he, no the first one he's just an actor oh fuck right mm. okay fair enough well either way happy birthday Vaughn hope you have a good one uh, aye my week for the danger bottle yes 
I of course have a concealed here and a JD sports bag. So I'm about to, I'm about to reveal it out to you. So this week's danger battle is. Can I have a drum roll? Nah, fuck it. Don't even deserve it. <laughs> this week's danger battle is. Rekka Valley. And after we drink this, we're going to Rekka House. Rekka Valley. <laughs> we're going to fucking Rekka House. Did, did, you to be just, fair. did you just choose it for that name? Uh, exactly. <laughs> See, be honest, right? I was going about Rekka Tesco. Valley. I swear to fuck. I was going, I was, I was going about like Tesco that. yesterday. And I was looking about, and uh, I seen this. I was all Rekka Valley. I said, you know what? There's a joke on there somewhere. I, pre- I prepared that Rekka House for him. That was one I made earlier. But it was between this and another wine called uh, Quirky Bird. That was five fucked up. Fuck that. No chance. This here was four hoot. Four pounds. Uh, it's uh, what, what I was worrying, right? Is that it's a a Bulgarian wine, not a country known for its wine. To be honest with you, you got France and Italy and stuff like that. So it's a Bulgarian Merlot, a twenty thirteen vintage. Apparently, it is twelve percent, which is standard. And I, uh, it just basically says at room temperature with hearty dishes such as sausages or casseroles. We don't have any sausages or casseroles, so fuck it. We're just gonna go on dry here, right? So we have a go at it. Yeah, I'm not a red red wine sort of boy, but. Tastes like vinegar to me. Yeah, it smells like vinegar. This stuff probably just not as fucking balsamic. Like, yeah, I've, I've been <laughs> Let done. Breathe. Let it breathe. I should should have opened it like an hour ago. Yeah, sure enough. Like the tanning smell. We haven't had an hour ago. The podcast will be happening. Yeah, when I got fucking wolfed on this straight away. <laughs> Two seconds. I had to get a fucking soap this time. Cheers. <laughs> Two crazy cats. Good noise. Good noise. Was I putting an after sting on? I like this week. Oh Jesus! It's starting to taste like <laughs> it's starting to taste like salt. Salt? Yeah. It tastes like normal red wine at the start, but then you get a salty sort of after. It tastes like a salty ball bag. Just. <laughs> it does. <laughs> just tastes like a fucking tastes like sweaty eggs. To be honest with you, hey, not that I've ever had a fucking chamba one, but you know what I mean. Sweaty egg sandwiches. We look out for the salt after. Just what the fuck's that about? Um, Leave it for about two seconds. Normal red wine, salt. But salty in there. Yeah. That is a bit salty at the end. What the fuck's that? Yeah, no, I go here. Actually, for me not liking red wine, I could probably stand the drink. See, that. it's it's smooth. You don't get that sort of winey aftertaste, which is strange considering it's fucking wine. But I know the salty thing that fool me like. But I suppose after two or three globs, you probably wouldn't even fucking know what that difference was. That's not bad, is it? I went there with the right. salt. You get that then, I. Bite the back of your mouth. Ah, uh, it's like it's like you know what it's like if you've been down to the beach or something like that as a uh, wine. You talk about fucking mouthful of seawater or whatever. That's what's <laughs> fucking like. It's like being down to like fucking bunk crana. Fucking hell, I can't get rid of that. I know, I know. It's staying with me too. Right, well, uh, our our one word or our one line description of Rekka Valley, Bulgarian Merlot, is uh, tastes like drowning on a beach. Basically, it's fucking awful. How was that one word? Anyway, one sentence. Is it? You said one word. Ah, fuck that. Anyway, continue on. Uh, what have we watched this week? Let's go. I watched. I watched a lot of stuff this week. You want to go? I go away. Watched here. I tell you. Unbelievable film, absolutely unbelievable film. We'll watch this week. one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Then he snitched Short Term Twelve. No. no, I've heard about it though. I heard a lot of good things a couple of years back, and I just never got around to watching it. Uh, Two thousand and thirteen. Can't for the life of me remember the name of the director, David Son. Uh, two main actors. It's John Gallagher Jr. from the Newsroom, and the, the main actress, who's probably pretty much the lead character, Brie Larson, who you probably recognise her from like Twenty One Jump Street. She's like Jonah Hill's love interest. Just phenomenal film absolutely I'll give a very brief overview of the plot it is uh, Brie Larson's character and John Gallagher Jr.'s character they're uh, essentially 
220 somethings they run this uh, home for like kind of delinquent youths and, and kind of foster youths and like I think it's Southern California or something like that and it's just essential that the trials and fucking tribulations of them running this place and dealing with these kind of uh, kids with serious fucking issues or you know sometimes pretty fucked up kids but uh, the direction so natural so realistic you could be fooled that it's a documentary sometimes I know that's such a fucking cliched you know compliment to give the forms that are natural mm-hmm. but definitely it, it, it does feel like you're there with them and the performances especially from Brie Larson and John Gallagher, but even more especially from the Waynes, sorry, the, the kids, who are, you know, ranging ages between 6 and maybe like 17. Phenomenal. So uh, delicately handled. Uh, some really grim storylines in there. There's a lot of stuff about, like, you know, kind of child abuse and, and stuff that just really fucking hits you in the jaw. But it's the performances and the, and the characters and how they all fucking mesh with each other that just really, really make it a crack and watch. It's only 90 minutes long too, so you know what I mean? If you've got a wee fucking spare hour and a half or something, that's sticking on, but it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's on Netflix now too, which I didn't realise uh, until I just came across it. Uh, also, this week, what I watch? Shogun Assassin. I just watched it last night. Never seen it. It's on phone four last night. Uh, I've only a copy of it for about 10 years, I've never watched it. You should definitely <laughs> give it a go. I, I see, I always, I, it's, it's bought to me as a joke on a birthday. It shouldn't be, a, it definitely shouldn't be a joke, because I've, <laughs> I've always heard, like, obviously it's one of Tarantino's favourites, and he and you can see that he's taking, especially uh, for Kill Bill stuff. Does it have, like, a vhs kind of look to it? Or, uh, see, well, it's 1980, like, so it's, it's obviously the kind of, uh, the, well, it's not a video, it's that, the, the fucking sort of video period. Hmm. Uh really fucking good I actually think that it's I think that the film was in two parts don't quote me in the series then there'll be a lot of research on it but I think it was Lone Wolf and Cub part 1 and 2 and Shogun Assassin it's just the two films spliced on the one film uh, standard revenge story it's in like feudal area Japan and uh, the Shogun who's like the, like a sort of quasi emperor of, of this kind of Japanese region is like a tyrannical bastard and he has uh, he has the the main ninja's uh, wife killed and stuff like that so him and his wings just go on this revenge journey and his wings like fucking five and he's just pushing on about like pushing about in a buggy which he's slicing the fuck out of boys going mad just <laughs> but I mean some of that like it's it's cr- it's it's really gratuitously violent like but that's kinda what you're watching it for. I've always kinda wanted to get a better understanding and a better uh knowledge of martial arts forms. Mm. I think that was definitely the place they start because I don't think I've seen enough of them. I've seen like you know a couple of Bruce Lee's and stuff like that, but uh cinematography it's Unbelievable! There's this part where he's in the middle of the desert, and these fucking boys just come out of the from nowhere and just start diving at him, like. And it's and no, but I mean, like, there's about four of them, and he's just fucking see after he's slicing off yeah. one by one. Choreography wise, unbelievable. Serious, I'm like, I think that's one's mad scene, like. Uh, but uh, you can see where Tarantino got it. The visuals are unbelievable. The choreography is unbelievable. If you're on the martial arts or on the just action in general, it's definitely for you because I think it is probably one of the seminal martial arts forms. It's inspired. You know, the wrath of martial arts ones just came sunset, like Kiro and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and fucking, uh, what was the other ones over there? Can't remember them, anyway, it's like... Fly Daggers. <laughs> <laughs> flying Daggers? Aye, fly, House of Flying Daggers, that was the one. That's exactly it. Okay, Heron, what have you watched this week? I watched uh, On the Road. On the Road? It was again, adaptation yeah. of the Jack Kerouac book. Yep. What was that like? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Kerouac fan, like, I mean, I've read or five his books like and, uh, sorry <laughs> we got ourselves a reader <laughs> <Can't Excellent> they <laughs> but uh it's i mean it was, it was one of those books i read when i was 18 and it was sort of one of those kind of formative books it just you know, changed the way you think about certain things like and, uh, help you find yourself mm. 
places I'm queer dude. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had an idea. So I was like, there's definitely someone there. <laughs> I'm lost. But uh, I know it's really good. I mean, it's one thing because the book itself is very, very episodic. I think there's, there's six books in the book. So it's almost like there's six main journeys of where they go to. Like one point they're going to, uh, they go to Denver, they go to Mexico, they go to San Francisco, and all. It's all split up into different books. But uh, um, it's really hard, you know, to adapt the book up, Rich, because it, the book just constantly describes details and events and things like this here. Yeah. And it's you can kind of see with the way they wrote it, uh, as they they definitely left out they left out a whole character called Remy. He's he's in the la- he's in the last scene in it. But uh, he has this line about, uh, I think it's, it's from the president at the time, he was saying, uh, I think it was just a line about the economy, uh, about, you know, we're trying our best to keep the expe- uh, the cost down, the cost of living down or something. Like yeah. I said, I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh, there's a scene in the book where uh, Sal, Jack, and uh, Humber break it into this canteen that they work in. They steal food because they have no food. And that uses like a phrase he always used to say when he was stealing things. And so the only remnants of that character is actually when they just say it to each other every now and again. And so Aye. I guess, I mean, they, they, they kind of keep the spirit of the character there in a line. But um, it's Walter Shai, the director of uh, Motorcycle Diaries. Oh, it's so good. So, so and, good. And Coppola had been developing it for uh, years. He, wanted, he I think, he had a, an adaptation of it years ago. And I think he wanted to make it... I, I, you could probably find, actually, on, on the iPad who the actors were and stuff like this. But he, he bought the rights. He owns the right. He produced it as well. It's it's weird as well because it seems that Walter Shaw just seems to have a wee fucking foothold or a wee niche in the, the sort of introspective rogue movie. You know, because you're talking about the motorcycle diaries, which is unbelievable. One other thing I was going to say is that you you were saying about on the road and it's weird trying to adapt you know such a rich text. Do you think that that maybe kind of give it a wee bit of an uphill struggle because it's such an iconic book uh-huh. and it's almost like the go-to guide for anybody who wants to you know be freer. It's the ultimate counterculture book. Like you know, uh-huh. what I mean? it's the first thing you think about. So you think it? Do they achieve it? Or is it kind of impossible to achieve? Do you think? I think some of the elements they do really, really well. I think uh, Sam Riley is really well cast as as uh, Sal or Jack or whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know that, that much about the book. It, it's I mean, there's like, uh, that's what I was saying. Really, but uh, there, there's things that uh, you know, the Jack Kerouac actually wrote it uh, yeah. straight on a. Uh, he attached all these pieces of paper together and yeah. just wrote it uh, just continuously for I think for like two weeks and he went on drugs and all they just keep himself awake and keep himself because he, he invented this prose he keeps called himself like but he called it spontaneous prose because he, he had wrote it in so many different sections and uh, and he just had all these notes and he said he couldn't really get the you know the fast kind of living that they wanted so he actually just one night he just sat down and just wrote it all in like one go the whole book and then I mean that's that's the truth about the story. It's not actually in the book that they did that, but Aye. they they show you that in the film and stuff. But you've got Viggo Morten, uh, Viggo Mortensen cast as uh, old Bull Lee, who's essentially William Burroughs. Can't wait about a big boy. I can't wait about a big boy. Fuck, I'm on anyway. I watched my brother, and uh, my brother, uh, he's not much a reader. Like he would read biographies and things like this here, but every so often uh, he comes in and he's all, uh, I start reading a new booker, and he's all. Is Viggo Mortensen and an adaptation of this book? And he's all, oh, I don't know. That's the only fiction he reads. Uh, films that Viggo Mortensen's going to be in. <laughs> Honestly, fuck. The Road, fucking Lord of the Rings, fucking uh, On the Road. And he says, I say, he hates On the Road. He hated it. 
and he's watching the film, and he's like, fucking hate all these characters. And I watched it with my brother, he went to bed, he just got fucking second. <laughs> and uh, I was watching it, and his old vehicle was literally about to show up on screen, like, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'll watch them, I wrecked my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's already 87 minutes since my vehicle's about to rock up. But, uh, and, and honestly, vehicle's only on screen for like fucking about four months of film. Like. Oh, really? I thought he was like one nah, of the main characters he, on he's, I mean, he's one of the main lines in the trailer, mm. but uh, he doesn't, uh, he, uh, no, he, he's hardly in it. Selling us on a bottle of ego in Australia is not even fucking there. Sure, fucking. I can't even walk on through this for, but there's for the poster for 12 Years a Slave, the biggest person on it was Brad Pitt. And he's in the last five minutes of the fucking He's just a boy come once again, watch our man's our dick. Sack up, boy, eps. I'm trying to find a wee bit info here on the the actual make uh the production of it because Coppola bought it years ago. He, he, there was a there were so many different attempts to get the film made mm. and there was like some really good directors here. I think I'm gonna turn my own here. But uh no all in all it's a really good film. I think a really good cast is Kristen Stewart as Marilu and she, uh, she was she's just perfect. I think she gets a fucking lot of abuse obviously she's got that Twilight stigma but I do think she's a fucking really good actress. She's classic. Seeing like uh Camp X ray, she's absolutely fucking brilliant in that there. There's one Jesus, what do you call the fucking film? The, the Runaways. She's uh, really, really, uh, good really good in that. Really good in that. Like as June Jet, and then or is she? Anyway, yeah, she's she, uh, she is June Jet, and then uh, what's our film I've seen recently? Still Alice. Alice, where she plays Julianne Moore's daughter, and I mean, fairly, she's not much in it, and she's kind of like Julianne Moore's the main focus of that film. Oscar won a performance, and it's a fucking superb performance. Like, but she's just really good, in and the, the best parts of that film are them two together. That sort of chemistry between yeah. them, excellent. This was one, I, <coughs> I'll tell you another one, it was uh, Brando, Treddy, uh, Brando Treddy fucking produced it, uh, Brando I actually, I say Brando Treddy play fucking Jack Kerouac, Jack Kerouac actually went, they, they find Brando because he wanted Brando to play Kerouac and, and Jack Kerouac wanted to play the Dean Moriarty character. Obviously, this was back in like the sixties or something like that. Like 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 well, like back, back in the sixties, like I mean, he would have been oh, fucking perfect as Jack Kerouac. He would have been the ideal one. Like and then Coppola tried to produce in '95. Uh, Ethan Hawke was going to be Sal, and uh, Brad Pitt was going to be Dean. Oh fuck! Uh, and then Joe Schumacher uh, w- was trying to get an adaptation going. Not Joel again, like they talked on the death last week about Batman, correct? And uh, Billy Crudup uh, as Sal and Colin Farrell as Dean. Oh, Which would have been interesting. Well. Well, Bolly Crudup, one of our uh, actors here, we uh, one of our underrated actors who nobody really yeah. knows or cares about that we uh, love very much. Love that guy. Yeah. Love him so much. What did you watch this week, Mick? Uh, I watched Delivery Man. What the fuck? Oh, is that fucking Van Vance Vaughn? Vaughn. That's that adaptation of the French film. Yeah, that's is fucking. Ah, it's, it's a remake. Aye. But um, it's it's an all right film. I mean, like, <clears throat> is he pulling like, teeth out though? <laughs> <laughs> not quite the true detective characters yeah. but, the Malik, but no. uh no yeah it's, it's a grand film I mean, it's, it's like it's it's watchable I, w- I wouldn't say I would go back and watch it again like. well I've never actually know, I know it's about fucking Alvin Wayne's or something like, what's the plot again like he's the, impregnant he's the plot is that as a younger man Vince Vaughn uh used to just get money from this from this firm bank I and he he, ma- he made 693 donations and like Two years or something like that. Someone might not want to get there But his his sperm hanging off him. Red ball. <laughs> just hanging off him like a wet chamois. Just fucking. <laughs> 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 
fucking lust by a Jewish thing just then I like anyway we're fucking we're pulling this we're pulling that tongue down here Mickey continue yeah, fucking chewing that by a Jewish thing but uh his, his sperm was such of good quality that the the sperm bank overused it Aye. and he he was actually the biological father of 533 people Jesus Christ catch out at Christmas <laughs> <laughs> So, so then, um, like 130 of of his biological kids want want to meet him because he he's he always signed his name down on the form as Starbuck, right? So uh, that's actually the name of the original phone. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. I I had no idea about this being a remake. Yeah, I know phone. neither did I actually. But, it, uh, seems, it, it, I doesn't, it doesn't seem sophisticated enough for the French like to be quite honest. I, I, it's French. I know it's a foreign film. If it's okay. French or German, I think. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so he, so he always wrote his name down as Starbucks. So they do this. They do this lawsuit. They just know the identity of Starbucks basically, mm. and he's he's fighting to keep his am 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 the word. That's so hard to say. Actually, I tried anonymity. Anonymity. Such a hard word to say. Anonymity. Anonymity. There, I think I got it. That fucking anonymous. Anonymity. It's been anonymity. <laughs> and I'm a lady, that's like, and I'm a lady, yeah. he got it, he nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and he reads, he reads stacks of books. So. <laughs> he reads stacks of books. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, kind of, emotionally the film is kind of all over the place. I mean, like, so, sometimes it's, it can go from comedy to like really kind of hard kind of drama. Uh, well, not hard drama, but like a kind of dramatic bit. Uh, Just like on a turn, like, like there's, yeah. this, there's this one, kind of periodically. Is it sure footed like in what it does it? No, not really. It's pe- periodically through the film, he he kind of meets, he secretly meets like some of his kids just because he's interested. Kind of, and one of them's like a drug addict, and he had, he sees her overdose, so takes her to the hospital, kind of thing. And so there's this scene where he's walking back and forth between his daughter and the doctor, and the doctor wants him to sign the papers to put her into rehab, and she wants him to sign the papers to release her. Yeah. So he's walking back and forth, and but. As he turns, it's kind of this funny music, like, doo, 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 yeah. and then he's talking to him about fucking rehab and stuff. It's, it's really badly judged. It's well, just really right. There's there's a lot of like, by kind of like basically every kid he meets, there's a big emotional <laughs> kind of beat in it, and there like Chris Pratt's in it as well, and he's kind of the, the comic relief in it. Like he's really funny in it, and aye, he has he's good like moments. His best friend or something. Aye, aye, and his aye. lawyer. <laughs> he he's he's really funny in it, and <laughs> it's just his, he has four kids in it as well, and the kids are actually really funny. It's like there's a scene where they're out the back just having a chat, and then his kids come out. He's all, "No, go back to bed," and they just fall asleep in the sand pit. <laughs> it's, just, it's just really funny. But yeah, Chris Pratt's the the humor in it, and just the it's emotionally it's kind of all over the place. But it's, it's just a grand watch. It's strange that you say that uh, just about the whole sort of sort of tonal thing because another film I watched this week, and I was going to talk about it later on, but I just kind of forgot about. Also, recently been fucking added to Netflix is that Hector and the Search for Happiness. Simon Pegg film it just released last year I fucking absolutely I love Simon Pegg he's one of my, one of my fucking favourite people and I just I've, I've always loved the he's on from Space to Shaun the Dead and I watched that film and it's one of those ones I'm not quite sure if I liked it or not because the tone of that film is all over the fucking yeah. place it starts out as this sort of light hearted rom-com and, and going out to find yourself but then these scenes come out of nowhere like he's in fucking Africa and all of a sudden he's kidnapped and he's about to be fucking executed like but I mean, it, it, it's completely jarring. Like it's such a Aye. fucking mood whiplash, and it's not even so much that him being kidnapped and like about to be shot in the fucking head is played for laughs. 
it's like Simon Pegg rolling about a floor, screaming and crying. Like, a sort of role that I've never seen him do before. I think it's the fact that it's Simon Pegg pulls you out of the butt, but it's the fact as well that up until then, the first 45 minutes have been sort of light. And then it just kind of goes back to being light. But then it goes. There are some point, points at the end of the film where they kind of nail the tone nicely. That they kind of get the, the lightness going on the end, mm. being sort of dramatic and, and being about happiness. There's this really nice part in a, a, on an airplane where you have a, a passenger who's dying and he's like obviously a psychiatrist, so he kind of nurses her. And that's, that's, that's very beautiful. But it just fucking threw me completely. It's a very strange film. And there's, there's a lot to be said about tone in films. It's a thing yeah. that washes over, I think, a lot of people. Because most films kind of nail their tone and maybe other aspects of it fall uh, down. But see, when your tone's all place, I think that's when it becomes really fucking jarring. I, I kind of find One Fat by Rome was kind of totally really unsure as well. Yeah. I never really liked that film. I just, I just, I didn't really know what it was. Uh, I don't think I, it's a great I, film. I can kind of get what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? I was sort of was getting involved in the seriousness and then Simon Pegg cracks a joke and you're like, mm. and then, you know, and then it's just it's you very... It. Yeah, it you to everything that's been bolted up there, like, you know what uh, I mean? I don't know, but do you watch anything else this week? Uh, I also watch uh, Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Oh, so film. good. Such a good film. I'm it's fucking raising it ever more of them. I know. The reason is because I'm absolutely fucking bombed at the box. Know, that's it's, why. It's and it's such a good film. Hopefully, I think I think it's kind of been like vindicated by history because when yeah. it was released, a while lot of people were all, oh, it's grand, but you know what, you know, it doesn't make a while lot of money. Because it was planned for like a trilogy, four films, because there's a stack of them books. like. But watch them now, you're like, how did that film not do class? Because it was Jim Carrey in this fucking pomp at the top of his fame. Looks unbelievable. It's and really it actually wasn't. It was like a comeback performance for him. It well, it was just after Bruce Almighty, wasn't it? Bruce Almighty put him properly back in the map. Bruce Almighty is like 2002. Yeah, I, agree, I, agree uh, I think Series of Unfortunate Events is 2003. Uh, I kind of thought Bruce Almighty was a must-step. It was kind of like a wee bit. That was fucking huge. That was successful. That was like the... I think there's some Rivers fact about it. Like it, really like it. It, uh, it was the highest grossing comedy that's not a sequel or something like that. Aye, it's all like it. It did just have some sort of record. But, uh, no, it's just Brenna. I know, it's really... What What I what I really like about die, it... Is, it's my style. Just wee tiny fucking things. It's a thing that makes really good comedies. <laughs> just parents just died. Oh, no, it's just... Give me the line again. Give me the line again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's wee tiny fucking elements of comedies, but it's even wee things like how he says surprise, he's all surprised. <laughs> you know I mean? like wee fucking stupid things uh, that just make it. Or just all the characters. I was like, I'm an Italian man. That <laughs> <laughs> was me and your fucking favourite. Like, uh, me and Mick used to introduce ourselves to each other. Hello, I am an Italian man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, it's, it's fuck, he's so good in that film. Yeah, like, so fucking so unreal. Fucking but then you've got the warm heartedness like Bully Comedy's character oh. I My favourite person of all time, great. even though as Bolly Conley does in films, and this isn't really a spoiler, he dies after about five minutes. <laughs> Bolly Conley once announced that he's the only person to his knowledge who has died in a Muppets film. <laughs> 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 he dies like ten minutes on there. I think it's the Muppets in Space or some shit like that. I can't I've never actually seen it. But uh, the thing I I really liked about Lemmy Sigurd though is uh it it's it kind of reminds me of like family films we would have watched when we were younger. Like it has, it's scary. Like it's yeah. dark, and it like even watching it the other day, it's like there's kind of fucked up things yeah. in that film. Emmanuel Lebesky's a DP in that. And fucking questionable shit. Because even at that, like you, you probably didn't get this thing because you were a kid and you didn't really think about it because she was around the same age and you thought, Ugh. but like looking back on now, fucking Jim Carrey is going to uh, marry. What do you call it? Emily, Emily, Brown. <laughs> Emily Brown. 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 Em
Emily Brunan, and she's like 15 in that area. You're like, what the fuck? Like, welcome back. That is fucked up, you know what I mean? What's the correct right? I, I, I don't understand why it doesn't often say for two seconds as well. It's fucking brilliant. It's, it's, worst, it's the worst cameo, because he says like some fucking really irrelevant line that just appears again. That's fucking really funny. Hey, like, he just fucking He must have been just bitten around. Not that, this is the only job on there. Yeah, why not? Hey. Maybe I like the books. Who fucking knows? Like, it's does nothing. I do what he wants. But hey, I think there should be more more family films like that that do genuinely scare you. Because like, if you think when we were younger, like the thing always sticks with me is witches. Well, like that always creeped the that's, fuck out of me. That's Nicholas Rogue as well. Don't mm. look now. Same director. Really? That's yeah. fucking you with shit. That really? Hey, that's really creepy and just oh, it unsettles you. Like, yeah, but that's it's fucked up. It's good. It's good as well. Though. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid to scare your kids. You know. What I mean? Aye. That's all point. You know what I mean? Because. You can scare Wednesday to a certain extent. Obviously, don't like fucking like you know, don't show my fucking Texas chains. I'm not scared like I'm fuck our lives up forever. But I mean, like show them something that that does give them a wee bit of a shock and stuff like this. Yeah. It's, it's it's a good thing being so, something that gets in the bed on time. Like. Ah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make them fucking leave their bed just. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's as as, as a Wayne pair of Wayne's obviously. They, Focus, they, they, focus, scare me when I was a wee bit. What that? Focus, focus. Oh. <laughs> Actually, do you, know, you know the only part that does? It's being recorded. Is, is this <laughs> when he starts sucking the life out of the boy? That's the bit no, of it's the part when he's driving me. and fucking <laughs> bet mother just fucking comes up in the broom. It just they freak me out. Honestly, <laughs> 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 fuck, I was all, that's fucked. <laughs> bet, would you get away? They fuck. <laughs> but then now, now I just fucking, uh, when she says it, she's just like, pull over. And like some like fucking Eva Speed pick or something out there. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. She, she, she comes up and she's just like, it's a really modern American joke. Like, and it's just, I, I push myself laughing at now. Like, but, uh, I should know this because I watch Hocus Pocus. Every Halloween. Every, no, near off every fucking night. My girlfriend's favourite film. She really? wags her own going to bed every night. <laughs> and I mean, like, I should know that script fucking DT. Uh, the thing is, it's not even a family film, but you know that scene really is? They fucking creep a fucking of me. You know, in that first Lord of the Rings, where uh, it's the very start of Fellowship. Yeah. And Bobo's chatting to Frodo and he's just giving Frodo the ring. And then Bobo goes, Give me the fucking ring, this fist goes mental. <laughs> and you're like, What the fuck's that about there, Bobo? Calm yourself, you know? That's <laughs> not at the is, is that not when. No, it's in Rivendell. Oh, it's in Rivendell, yeah, it is. Oh, fuck, I got that wrong. When Frodo's. He's got the mithril, but Frodo's nursed himself. He got stabbed by the, the ring wraith. That's right, they. Yeah. Just doing the fucking plot of the rings, not even making a point. But Ryan is fiscal's man as we peep for a lot there. It's fucking Aye. crazy. It's fucking mad. It's for like two seconds. Aye, yeah. but it really gives you a jump. Like, yeah. well, in all fairness, I pretty much was away when I first, what, 2001? Would have been, what? Well, fair enough. 12? Even 12, you're still pretty young. That's scared of fucking away. Mm. It's big time. But aye, you know? anyway, we'll move on to news. So, yeah, Comic Con was last week. Mm-hmm. And so we have a few trailers to talk That's about. Comic-Con. <laughs> some some fucking tent in San Diego. Um, so yeah, what wh- what do you want to talk about first? Batman vs Superman or Suicide Squad? Whichever, because I think they just talk them. about both of them. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean they're they're, they're pretty much under really yeah, yeah. DC obviously making a big fucking charge on the box office next year. They try and catch up with Marvel, who are about ten years ahead of them. <laughs> but the, uh, the main thing that's turning me off is, is Joker's fucking pink Lamborghini. I, it's hard to get over. I don't know. It's like, don't. I, I remember, like, I remember the first, I think it was the first podcast that we done. Hopefully he steals it also. That's not actually <laughs> his wagon. He's of a hairdresser or something. Aye, aye, aye. Well, you see, I, I, I had a theory. He's only getting my greens done, just getting my highlights done. Just. <laughs> getting his done, like. I, I, I had a theory a few weeks after the first picture came out, and nobody, everybody aye. was saying just how shiny it looked on. And, uh, <laughs> 
and uh, what what if he isn't actually the Joker? Like he's like a big fanboy of the Joker, and that's why he has all the stupid tattoos on a fucking ha ha car and all that. Kind of I crack. really hope that's the case. Well, see, see, be honest. Oh, with I fucking has this car has a fucking number plate on it. I wrapped that fucking episode back on the Joker. I think it was my first podcast saying that. I was all projected that it was casting, but then I seen the you know the promotional images were released there a while back, mm. and I thought, no, not for me. Seeing him then, actually in the flesh, performing the roles, fair enough, it's a very brief time that you see him. It's won me over a wee bit, but then I just hope that... I'm not afraid of him. Aye. I fucking pick him. It's, I know, it's, it's strange. <laughs> I, I thought he looked pretty sweet, didn't it? See, he does, but I think I think that maybe a bit of a mistake is that the Joker is supposed to be kind of cowardly when it comes to hand-to-hand combat, and it's more about like his kind of menace and his... Like his skills is, is like a is cunning. Aye, it's cunning. It's, it's, cunning. <laughs> it's cunning, but uh, it's more about his cunning and not his fucking his, his slapping boys. Like, but uh, the thing they don't we like obviously Heath Ledger's and Jack Nicholson's is that at least they kept the suit on him and they they kind of mask the fact that he is supposed to be kind of skeletal and weedy. Whereas him with his top off, he just looks like a fucking fourteen year old boy. Like, and he doesn't look threatening in any way. I think the suit's a big part of it. You know what I mean? Aye. And it kind of it bulks him up a bit and shit like that there. It, for me, I don't uh, know. I remember there was one thing years ago. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Johnny Depp when he was saying about when he wanted to do Jack Sparrow. Mm. And he wanted uh, <laughs> not that he wanted a big mouth of teeth like. Gold, <laughs> gold teeth. He wanted to have them all. And then he came down with just like his whole mouth. Just gold. Uh, full of teeth juice. Uh, just big head full of teeth juice. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> And it's it things like I see where the director says, no, nah, it's too much, too far, whatever. Right. And he says, just take it back, maybe one or two, but he says, that there's far too far. And yeah. it says, it's just, and I kind of think, the Joker hangs a wee bit too much as well. See that girl he's got on? Like, I, yeah. I totally agree. It's like fucking too much. Like He just reminds you of fucking Goldie from the words not enough. But see, do you know what? And, and, <laughs> and that's what I was trying to say too, like back in the first podcast, is that the, the way they've kind of put them together, stuff like that, he just looks like a fucking irritating teenager. That big grill, like, oh, look at me, I'm fucking hard. Even that Black Friday movie just fucking hit him. He would love to just fuck. Ah, you die and they see Batman stick his fucking head on the ground. But maybe, I mean, maybe it's... Like his steel's gone on the Joker. From the other fucking side as well, maybe that's a good thing, you know what I mean? Because he's so fucking irritant and the Joker is supposed to be a weasley, irritating cunt. Because, I mean, I think a lot of the thing with Heath Ledger thing is that the Joker is supposed to be kind of cool too. They focused on the cool aspect a wee bit more and the weaseliness of the fucking Joker kind of... Fatal about obviously Heath Ledger's you know performance is really iconic, but maybe this Joker's supposed to be that fucking wee bastard you just gonna <laughs> grab with that fucking neck, you know what hey, I mean? Hey, he's just a wee fucking irritant. Like Aye, an irritant like, exactly. I'm just gonna fucking stick your head through a wand on a fucking Aye. vent machine just. So <laughs> she's seeing that trap. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the other characters in Suicide Squad? Though? See, that's or I mean, like, what I really liked about the trailer is that, that they done a very, very good job in that three and a half minutes of introducing mm. all these new characters. We were just chatting before we, we started the podcast. Is that the only really besides Batman and Joker? But I think that that's more a cameo appearance in the film mm. from what mm. we're hearing. The only real, and even when you say household, kind of household name in the Suicide Squad is Harley Quinn. Seems that she is going to be the, the main focus. Deadshot as well, who's played by Will Smith. Like 30 seconds on her at the start of the trailer. Aye, she's exactly her fucking... Aye, she's kind of the main focus. Her doing a bit of burlesque in the cage, you know what I mean? Yes. How she got that is fucking beyond me. Camera's off. But, see, they've done a very good job of doing that, especially like the likes of Killer Croc, who's a character I fucking loved as a wean. Every other character they have on there, because a lot of characters to get through... It's not like the Avengers where Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, the, the 
some extent were all pretty well known and they didn't have mm. to do a while out to get that on that public conscious but with Suicide Squad they're essentially all completely unknown characters I, I kind of like it though it's, I like that uh, I mean in fairness uh, Guardians of the Galaxy done it very well as well but Guardians of the Galaxy is only four characters or is it five? Five. Five characters Suicide Squad's like what nine? And that doubles the job like and Guardians of the Galaxy had a hard enough job kind of it'll be, a, it'll be a superior film will go on they and it'll feel like a new film as Which opposed is nice. to, you know what I mean? It'll be uh, a, a nice new thing. Because you've, you've seen the origin like story. Watchmen so had that really good attitude. It's like, nobody really knew who like, had the Watchmen were or anything. And it's just a great thing. You just go, wait, we just watch a superhero film here. And just, yeah, but uh, we don't know. We don't have any preconceptions about it. True, but Watchmen is considered probably the best comic book of, of all time. So at least they also had a strong narrative they rely on. Uh, Whereas uh, the Suicide Squad, they're kind of picking and choosing, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's... It's going to be very interesting to see how they do it. From the trailer, I was very sceptical about the film. Seeing the trailer, now, I, I think the trailer looks fucking brilliant. Like, I, I really, really like the look of it. I liked how the, even just the film looks, the cinematography they're taking. Like I was saying before, I liked how they introduced all the characters that are kind of unknown. And then it'll be interesting to see how they shoehorn on the, uh, the, the Joker and the Batman thing. Uh, again, we are discussing before we started the podcast. We, here at the Let's Talk More Movies, we have a theory that uh, <laughs> we have a theory that uh, the Joker things might be might be a flashback, possibly, because when you see him in the trailer, he's going to like you know he's about to torture somebody. Right. We're under the assumption that it's Harley Quinn that he's torturing because it's a clinic too, isn't it? Uh, I think it looks like a sort mm. of clinic because uh, the the character Harley Quinn, I think she's like a she's a psychiatrist or something like that they you know really upstanding citizen and then the joker tortures her and drives her fucking sample and she becomes harley quinn thinking that might be it especially if harley quinn is the main focus of the film mm. obviously they're gonna have to give her some sort of backstory or some sort of origin story and that might be it how batman then folds into that maybe batman i don't know this is complete speculation maybe when batman's hanging off a fucking back of car as you've seen in the trailer maybe that's him you know chasing the joker after he's tortured her and he fucking takes him away or something mm. i don't know but it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I, I, I always thought the whole kind of Joker stuff might have been a flashback as well and the kind of Harley Quinn's mm-hmm. path. But uh, also with the whole torturing thing, the segue nicely into the Batman vs. Superman trailer, I thought it could have been uh, like a flashback to the whole Robin thing that yeah. the Batman vs. Superman uh, kind of hints at. With, uh, uh, in the trailer, you see Joker's written something on Robin's suit. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes the suggestion that Joker killed Robin. Yeah. at some point so i was but thinking maybe, maybe they could maybe that's the way they're trying to link those films together it's also really good that's a really you know good what actually you know what i think it was better you've tested me in the past <laughs> <laughs> so, then that, new shirt, then. <laughs> so then, then that's batman chasing the joker in after killing robin but anyway batman versus superman trader what do you think also looks Brilliant. It looks fucking. I'm more looking forward to that than I'm serious. Do you know what? I, was, I think everybody is. Yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I think obviously because Jesus Christ, Batman vs Superman, as I think we were talking about last week or we've chatted about numerous weeks, has basically been fucking built up for 60 years. Like even before the films were even a possibility. Oh fuck! Actually, fun fact: uh, this week it was the 17th of July it was supposed to be the original date for Batman vs Superman coming out. That's right. Because it was delayed by a year. Why was delayed for? <laughs> they they just pushed it back. I don't know why. That, for me, in a way, there's nothing that's going to be bigger than that next year. Imagine, imagine we just had seen Batman vs. Superman either. <laughs> oh, fucking we're, we're buzzing off of seeing a fucking trailer. Hopefully <laughs> not coming out. Oh, this was there. Shit. 
What Jeremy Irons doing as fucking Alfred? Like, you know, like, I think he looks cool as Alfred. He looks cool, and it's it's a different take on it, and like a kind of gruff for Alfred and stuff like that. I, I, I love Jeremy Irons, but I don't think he's. I don't know. It just it doesn't. Say, that's the only but, thing that trailer kind of threw me about. I was like, no, I don't know about that. But like, that's a thing from the really comics as well that there's a storyline with Alfred that he he's actually like a kind of ex kind of. MI5 kind of boy or something like he kind of had that way a wee bit ex special ops well I suppose that because Christopher Nolan's inspired by Frank Miller you know like year one and all that kind of stuff and then even this one's inspired by uh, is it Dark Dark Knight Knight Returns Returns. so that's Frank Miller as well so even in the absolutely fucking woeful TV series Gotham they kind of go on that they go on the fact that I think it's Sean Pertwee who plays Alfred on it and they go on the fact that he he was kind of ex special forces or something like that and he'd seen fucking you know kind of combat and whatever uh, and it does it, it fits my character Jeremy Irons being gruff but I don't know maybe maybe I'll really like it but I looks excellent we, we talked last week uh, again about uh, how they're going to actually make Batman a, a credible threat or how they're going to make him equal to Superman uh, after seeing the trailer I think we got a couple more ideas you do get a wee crafty wee crafty peek of kryptonite in there so I think uh, a kryptonite thing might come in there like a wee bit of an equaliser for, for old bats you know what I mean yeah. but uh even Lex Luthor, the first time I watched it, I, I really liked Jesse Eisenberg. Seeing Lex Luthor, obviously, with long hair, it kind of throws you a bit. But see that, see that hair can fuck off. It I, do, not even oh, Lex Luthor's hair, it just looks shit. It does look bad. <laughs> it looks like fucking I, terrible. Like, but I, I think it's, it, it looks it terrible just, because it's probably a wig. I like, uh, but it looks, it it looks nice. Like, like, but it's, is, is it supposed to be a wig in the film? Like, he's going to be, he's going to be balded. <laughs> like, somebody's just going to come up and pull the wig off because it looks like he's actually more prepared to fucking suck a bong with Superman than actually challenge him. Fucking nemesis, like you know what I mean. He looks like a fucking actually, no, you story, s- Have you seen that trailer for the Jesse Eisenberg film where he, I think it's Kristen Stewart where he's a fucking stoner but he's also he's like a he's like a secret agent kind of thing? Nah. He's what he is like a sleeper agent, like he gets activated oh, and then he starts, just he starts nice. fucking. Is it, is it, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that, was, that doesn't give him respect. I don't think it's respect as ever. Say it again, Chad. I'll say it again. Oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's too much. Say it again. Come on. That's a James Bond, just say. Yeah, it's just fucking <laughs> but yeah, anyway. no, no, but yeah, he plays the stoner and all that air, and he has big stupid hair in that air as well. It looks better than the Lex Luthor hair. It's not out yet, like it's coming. No, it's not out yet. No, I just seen a trailer for it there. Mm. Another thing too, there's wee kind of snippets and wee, wee sort of snapshots you see in that trailer, and obviously that's exactly what a trailer's supposed to do. It's kind of you know getting you thinking, oh, fuck, what's going on there? You know what? Fuck, must go see that there, but. The sort of thing, it's like a, a, a two second clip on the trailer where there's all these people dressed as Batman attacking Superman. They've got kind of bat masks on. And you're thinking, okay. what the fuck's going on there, too? Like, is it like mm. proper? Like, it's that slow motion. Aye, like, a, like as, as there like a vigilante movement going across like Metropolis and Gotham against Superman and they're fucking attacking him or something like that? Su- or are they going mental? Superman has his own people as well because you see kind of army looking boys with the Superman logo on their shoulders. Like. So, I don't uh, think though. Here's another. What the fuck? I'm dashing out that theory. Like, <laughs> I have another theory of someone that I've been reading recently. It's all you do with comic book films. Uh, <laughs> exactly, because you're never quite sure because they've got so much source material they mine from you. Because see, for me, I think they're kind of being slain. They're not selling it. I do think that it's going to be Superman and Batman finally having a scrap. But I don't. But I don't think they're finally bitting a fucking line with each other. But I don't think that's definitely not going to be the climax. Because certainly, if that was the climax, then one of them is going to have to die, and they're never going to do that. Like. Uh, Imagine they did, though. I know, <laughs> but uh, I think that that's going to be kind of resolved maybe halfway, three quarters of way through. But there's a theory circulating the internet at the minute that you see a very quick clip 
of Zod in like a body bag. Uh, Obviously, the, the the villain from Man of Steel. Do you think they got Michael Shannon back in there? Just they lie down? Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Two million. Big <laughs> 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 penny from Michael. Like, here, Michael, go and just lay in that table there, would you? Hey, we're yeah. trying to zap this bag down. There's your checks. Yeah. Right. They brought the work again. Throw a sweet, throw a sweet bowl there and no, I'll just fucking lay in that table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a, there's a wee theory going about that the reason that fucking they're showing that is because they picked Zod's DNA or whatever the fuck it is that aliens have. I don't know if they have DNA. Uh, no one does. Like. <laughs> it's there's there's a there's a theory that they take his DNA and create Doomsday, and like obviously Doomsday is and if if they're keeping this under wraps or maybe like building up to the next Superman film that'll be very interesting. Doomsday's the the villain that kills Superman. He kills him like, and then I'm super. I can't remember how it happens. He, he comes comic back, book logic, but he comes. He comes back, back anyway. with some kind of Kryptonian fucking science or something. Yeah, <laughs> just, some, just comic mean, book logic, like Kryptonian brick. Just he, co- <laughs> he, he, he comes back with a black suit for some reason. That's right, because he's, he's darker now, like you know, I, like, and a more quaffed hair. Uh, <laughs> but I don't. I don't fairness night. He doesn't even Doomsday doesn't even have to rely on the crypt. Maybe kills Superman. He just blocks him out. Like he just cuts him a slab, and that's all. But apparently, anyway. What the theory is, is that it might be kind of alluding to this, the sort of doomsday thing, which is probably the most shocked, because obviously we've always said that, oh, fuck, oh, Jesus, Superman's infallible and he can't be beaten, he's Mr. Perfect and this and this. So when they, actually, that, when they actually killed him in the comics, people were like, what the fuck? Is this, is this Superman done and dusted? What Jeez, that'd, that'd be a great uh, kind of Empire Strikes Back kind of second Superman, wouldn't it? Ah, that'd be a huge... And I think that's the way the comic book fans felt at the time when it happened. It, they were like, Jesus Christ, has the Superman done? Obviously. It's but never going to be the Just fucking right now, wasn't it? But I. Be <laughs> 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 back next week, don't worry. I can't with you, actually. Only help me, I'll punch him, girl. I help me, I might slap him with that. I've had that before. Anyway. We talk some shit, boys. Yeah, I try to look sweet. What you want? What did you say? I thought it was class. Yeah, I loved uh, the just the tie in of Batman mm. and that. And obviously, if you haven't seen it yet, re- revealing the motive for can we? I, 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 it's a traitor. Like it's out there. I, it's revealing the motive for why Batman fucking yeah. loathes Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the way that they tie in the whole Man of Steel and stuff. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was brilliant because like it's one of those things that just. Every time a like fucking superhero phone calls, like talk about just fucking wrecking half of New York uh, or something like that. There, yeah. they just they, they never, you know, they never talk the about the body count and all right. kind of stuff and all. And uh, it's just good that they've actually kind of addressed that a wee bit, that, and that it's actually they've kind of wrote it on as as, as Bruce Wayne's storyline that his his, wi- his wife is or something like that. Oh, uh, well, I just I just took it as just all like because his building gets destroyed, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of it's all, it's all his kind of employees uh, and all the Friday works where he gets okay, killed. Okay. Like. I thought I thought it was something about his family or something. Bruce Wayne doesn't have a wife. No, see, life I thought, bachelor. I, I it, well, his man and dad died when he was younger. Can uh-huh. <laughs> I hear about that now? No. <laughs> see, I, I don't thought, worry. I, they'll I, fucking show it to you in this film. I actually thought that's what I don't like. I, I actually <laughs> thought that he wrote in uh, that that he had a family in this one. And that's uh, it was one of his. No, I think I think I think what Maxine's probably right. It's it's the Wayne Enterprises kind of tower that that right, gets right. fucked up on it, and I think it's just a stack of his employees, and it's his business as well. Actually, cut back because I sound like a fucking dickhead. What? Can I cut that? Because I sound like a fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, joke, I'm not. <laughs> um, okay, we'll meet. Oh, actually, family. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Deadpool trailer as well, but mm. uh, Shan and Hearn haven't seen it. 
Because yeah. I, I only seen it because I watched a leaked version of it online. Oh, you naughty bastards. Naughty, naughty. That's bastard. a little suspect. <laughs> 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 but yeah, just just a kind of quick thing for Deadpool. It, it looks really funny. It looks crazy. It looks self-referential. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and the whole character of Deadpool like spends all of the fucking comics are kind of leaning on the fourth wall and yeah. realizing the fact that he is a character in like a made up world which I think they could have fucking so much fun with in that film. I see there's there's a couple of things in the trailer where like like Ryan Reynolds is getting taken away to like get the operation or something that's, mm. that's going to turn him into Deadpool and he's all don't make the super suit green or animated they reference the green lantern there was I was actually fucking really good even though yeah. his, his own career uh, I was seeing interviews too. Deadpool, like, is is like it's really for Marvel especially. He's probably their most fucking full on character. You couldn't Fox, really Fox, Damien. I fuck. I tried Fox, which is probably a good thing because I don't think Marvel have went kind of gritty recently with a Daredevil TV series. But I don't think that they would go Deadpool gritty. No, this chance. this is R rated. Like, yeah, it's, right. it, and it should be because Deadpool is essentially the only Marvel character, maybe besides the Punisher, right. mainstream anyway, who's really like should be like an eighteen, should be R rated. Yeah. Are, are they taking off from the Wolverine film? Like, I mean, obviously that's no, why it's, no, it's a complete other no. imagination. But it's still weird. I can guarantee they're they're going to address that in some yeah. way. That'll, that'll be referenced. That'll definitely be referenced as a bit of crack. Because he was he was like a technically a baddie in Wolverine, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, De- Deadpool is a kind of baddie. He's, he's, a, he's a complete not the, the, the beautiful thing about Deadpool, I think, is that he's not really a hero. But he's not really a villain. He is just kind of in the middle. He's, he's just, just a bit of crack. He's just a bit of crack guy. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, I think it was at the panel at Comic Con when they were doing the, the the talk about Deadpool two, said that they're they're really yeah, go- second one. <laughs> <laughs> he says that they're really going fucking mad with. He says even like sex scenes. Apparently, the sex scenes between him and Marina Baccarin from like Homeland and and uh, Firefly and stuff are really fucking intense. Like you know, what I mean? but it's played for it's played for laughs. Aye. Lethal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, T.J. Miller's on it as well, and he, for laughs, not he, for he has a couple already funny bits <laughs> in the trailer as well. Like, there's a bit like. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is all fu- like his skin's all fucked up, like he was burnt De- or something. Deadpool's skin is fucked up. He's like completely deformed. Don't make that TJ Miller sees him. He's all Jesus. You look like an avocado had sex with an older avocado. TJ <laughs> 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 Miller's so funny. I keep crying. Yeah, but he, uh, he doesn't do enough. Can you see the Ant-Man trailer this week? The Ant-Man trailer. It was released this week, wasn't it? Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. only released in the states. No, it's released here now. Yeah, we should go see it tomorrow. Do oh. we less talk more movies field trip yeah. to the cinema? <laughs> Where else? <laughs> <laughs> Do we talk about Ant-Man trailer before? Um, that, probably we? not. I think we did mm. reference it. I it, lo- it looks alright. I mean, it's sort of what they're talking about as well. Is, it, is that it's sort of uh, it's a lot smaller than the rest of Marvel films. Yeah, Pardon that's the pun. That's, that's, <laughs> <kinda like it. laughs> that's what I'm excited about though, because I like <laughs> I I brought it up before when we were talking about this uh, Avengers: The Age of Ultron mm-hmm. that I I got a bit fatigued with it and every film it's the end of the world and they're saving mm. and it, they're always trying to go bigger and it's just how big can you go and it just gets a bit ridiculous You're and a bit naff and I, I love that it's that they're, uh, what, from what I've heard that it is a lot smaller and it's just like I heard somebody say it's that's what I heard I heard somebody say I was I heard people comparing it to the first Iron Man though that it's it's like it's just uh, the villain is essentially just trying to steal the technology from the hero, kind of. Yeah. And it's 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 that kind of small stakes, and I I really like the sound of it, and I'm really looking forward to seeing we it. We talked about that a couple of weeks. 
uh, one of the first podcasts we done, and you you made that really good point. I think you're exactly right about how it's always like the apocalypse, and it's always like it's you're like fucking oh, how oh, big can you go? Like because it just and like you're saying, you get fatigued. But There's we said a war that in I, the third one or something. Ah, exactly. Oh, and we think that the reason for well, just one of the the many reasons for like Daredevil, the, the Netflix series, the success mm. is because. It is just a vigilante in like a small neighborhood, Hell's Kitchen, in New York, and it just kind of makes it more kind of realistic, more human in a way, because mm-hmm. you just know that this guy's fighting for this neighborhood, and mm-hmm. it's not the apocalypse, and it's not the be all and fucking yeah. end all. It's about humans, because when you see these huge battles, like you know the, the battle in Man of Steel or the, the battle in Avengers, and fucking thousands of people are dying, these bombs are being crushed, it just kind of washes over you then, and you don't really care yeah. as much. But when you see it as focused on like a couple of people, or even like. In the Daredevil series, you know, a few people live in the tenement block, the, the Wilson Fust, the Kingpins, trying to take over. You care about it more in a way, you know what I mean? That's a, no, different thing. Definitely. It's more anyway. yeah. We'll move on. What's the next news, baby? Okay, uh... Yeah. No. Ben, talk about this, Ben, tell me what? The Revenants. Oh, fuck, aye. Yeah. Fuck, fuck I, we'll talk about I'll the Revenants. We'll talk about the Revenants, Go right, Revenant trailer has just been released. Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, uh, Alejandro G. Inarritu, in 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 directing. Um, Lebeski DP again. Lebeski DP. Uh, the, synops- the synopsis I've heard for this film is that Leonardo DiCaprio gets attacked by a bear and then he gets left by his hunting partner, Tom Hardy. Mm. They, they die, basically. And so then uh, Leonardo DiCaprio wants to get revenge on Tom Hardy. So it, it sounded like a really small kind of few people film, but then from the trailer... There appears to be some kind of war going on. It looks like... <laughs> Cabrera must have a stack of muckers on it or something like that there because it looks like he starts a, a small war over this, this slight by, by fucking Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy says, so never catch me, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> Gets my car and starts talking to himself. <laughs> Lock three. <Aye. laughs> it reminds me of an old fucking Billy Connolly joke I'll say because it it's relevant. Uh, it was saying uh, there was these two photographers out in the fucking Serengeti and... Uh, <laughs> the lion starts to fucking go at them or whatever, and he's in the uh, he, the photographer looks down and he sees that his friend's putting on a pair of running shoes, and he goes, uh, <laughs> he's all, I'll never run a lion, and he goes, I uh, fuck a lion as long as I go to your mouth. That's what Tom Hardy did. <laughs> I see, me honestly, see, I would only been hearing wee bits and pieces like through like uh, Brady and, and Sight and Sound and stuff like that, but seeing the trailer. When I heard it was Lebeski and Inaritu, you know that it's going to be fucking top, top quality yeah, anyway. But the trailer just story. fucking blew me away. Yeah. Camera movement, the setting, how intense it is. It's the Capri who's breathing through it that kind of punches the whole trailer. It just I fucking it. love that. I, I actually found myself d- going I, line with his breathing I, I, as I was watching like it. I only watched it for the first time, literally, before we done this podcast. And there's some films, right, that... It's actually bold as a western, weirdly. Aye, really? but it does look yeah. a western. Like I mean, no, was, well. because I didn't know that even the plot until you said it there now. What I was looking at, I assumed that it was kind of around maybe the war on independence, or you know, like kind of around the, the birth of America. It looks like very, very early on in America. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but seeing it, it's one of those films that you see who's involved when you see that sort of trailer. Aye. You see the quality on show. It's one of the few films that you could say, I have no doubt that that is going to be fucking amazing. 
It just everything about it looks. You just know it's gonna be classic. Stick with us, and I'm just just be assured it's gonna be. I know. Even on a personal level, I could have the good lad and see just see the camera movements around the old west and like all those fucking big battle scenes happening. I know they're gonna be outstanding visual wise. Even if a story failed to live up to it. Even like I mean, I think we both had sort of mixed opinions about Two to Wonder, but just even just. Just sitting back and watching it visually, it's just a fucking beautiful piece. Yeah, of it's, it's almost like a fucking art piece. I, I, it's like an art installation, I, just watching it. You know what I mean? It's not a great film. I don't think. I think it's probably it's probably Melly's weakest film. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't think so too. Well, it's the same DP. It's it's, it's kind of uh, strange because it's actually. Uh, by the way, we're, we're talking about To the Wonder, which is a uh, uh, Terence Malick film that yeah. released about two years ago. And it's we we're just talking about how obviously visually beautiful mm. a film. It's can the same be. DP. That's what and I'm talking about. Exactly, Lebeski, and it's it's like a film sometimes can be so visually stunning that. You can ignore everything else, which is a bad thing, but at the same time, it just speaks it's a lot for how beautiful the cinematography yeah. and how good the imagery mm-hmm. is. To the Wonder definitely has that, but it's like Malik almost trying to imitate Malik. It's like I'm trying to be too <laughs> Malik, you know what uh, I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, 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 it's kind of weird. See if you didn't, see if you watch To the Wonder uh, and you didn't like know it was Terrence Malik that directed it, you would come out there and go, Jesus Christ, that was a complete rip off of Tree of Life, which is a Terrence Malik film, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of strange, like. Yeah. But uh, aye, anyway. Continue. I know the the trailer is like visually just fucking stunning, and yeah, it it, it just really fucking captures you. I actually heard a thing like uh, it's it's shot all with just natural light, mm-hmm. like they haven't actually used any additional light or anything, and it just looks fucking amazing. Like just uh, looking at it, it's yeah. the first melt your face shot in the our Alexis sixty five as well. Like Alexis, what the Clone Brothers and Deacons would use the shots of Spectre on it. Deeks. Deeks, uh, and uh, we're gonna have to explain that someday. But I'm a straight for last night, like, you know, like. but I'm Martin and Biggs. It's, I think, because um, it's very hard to, to, to get like, the kind of lighting that they're getting and that there. It's, it's very dark, it's very rich, but you can actually see. You can see Leonardo DiCaprio really close up, yep. but you can also see right behind him as There's well. There's a definition yeah. it. And it's not like he's in focus, the rest is out. Mm. So, I mean, even just when, when if we operate with fucking key camera work as well, like it's, you need a really, really fucking good camera. And you need a camera that can go to low light, you know, really, really well. Yeah. And so you need to be able to stop that lens right down so you can get the length on it. Yep. Because if, if it's wide open, you're just going to get DiCaprio or you're just going to get people behind him. So... Just even that, like, just shows the power of that camera, really. Like, it was like fucking phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. You were going to say something though, uh, that uh, you were saying uh, about the new world. It kind of reminded you of the new world, Malik. Aye, again, Malik. At that, I, it's really like a new world. I, th- I think it actually looked almost a bit rougher, and I kind of like that. Like mm. a new world, it's not. I don't think it's going to be as pretty as a new world. And I think there's, uh, I kind of remember the uh, the mission as well with Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. Yep. And uh, who directed that? Was it? It's not Samuel, is it? No. I can't remember who directed the mission. Hang on. But, uh, <laughs> He'll get it. He'll get it. Uh, and then I think, uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, there's the uh, Scorsese film coming out, uh, Silence, yeah. with uh, Liam Neeson and... Uh, was it Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield. Uh, yeah. uh, with Jesuit priests. And I think, you get it going back, you just kind of, you know, I can associate this with Rainer Herzog a while lot. Just this old rural. really rural. Rural shooting. Now, there's one There's one thing about Silence that I, now, I'm not quite sure if this is true, but I'd, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Uh, Scorsese has constantly, constantly cited the influence of uh, Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger's films mm. on him. Okay. Massive, massive influence for uh, Scorsese with Black Narcissus. Uh, 
black narcissist if, if he's run away it's, it's a Paul and Pressburger film Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm not quite sure. I think it's like the late 40s, early 50s. But it's about these nuns. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, uh, essentially, it's about these, uh, it's like uh, this religious uh, Catholic convent yeah. in like uh, the Himalayas or something like that there. And I do definitely think that there's going to be a big influence out on it. But the, you're totally right. There's this whole thing now about going back to the uh, rural shooting. And kind of thing that, uh, uh, not even so much. I think it might actually even be, and it's, it's something we've talked about at length also on the podcast, it might even be a reaction to just the fucking, the deluge of, of comic book films and massive CGI that's we're getting. I think it is. This is really, it's going to be, or, 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 or sorry, uh, the resonance is going to be really strong for. Yeah. Because the only person, or other person that's really doing that kind of shooting is probably Kenneth Manick. Yeah. You know? And then um, two seconds. The mission was directed by Roland Joffe. Roland Joffe. Yeah, yeah. that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never got that. But just you know, on location shooting, I think is it's it's becoming really cool. Do you know what I mean? It, it sort of seems like it, 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 it's going to come back in vogue now. Like and just hopefully. Well, well the thing. It's just funny you're on about. It's like a reaction to like the big effects films of. Dawn of the Planet Apes shot everything on location, yeah. And but they they did the motion capture on location as well. Right. So they ha- they had the people in the suits and all out in the forest, and so they're pretending to be apes, and I they put them in afterwards. That, but in all fairness, we have talked about that before too, and it's, and that's no coincidence why we even said a couple weeks ago that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and that series in general that was you know released a few years back. That's why for us it seems way more realistic and way more natural and and yeah. way and, and way richer than the sort of stuff that's just shot on a massive sound stage or you know green screens. We've we've said that many times before, and that is no coincidence whatsoever. Because I mean, you can have the best effects, CGI, motion capture on earth, but you're always going to be aware that it's it's not real. I think when it's shot on location, I think at the the, the two the two new Planet of the Apes that they're set in San Fran, San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. yep. And you feel like you're there. And th- there's a lot to be said about that, about actually feeling like you're actually there and not across some green screen. I think it throws you way more into the film, yeah. definitely. Even if it's just a wee slight, you know, a, a wee slight thing. There, there's so, the, the human eye recognises reality, obviously. It recognises when you're actually shooting on location as opposed to shooting CJ, no matter how good the CJ is. And I do think that it's... It's a big bonus for the film to, to do so. They, they create that world that you're supposed no, to be right fucking involved with. But I Okay. Next news. Idris Elba has been confirmed for Star Trek Beyond. Mm. We don't know what he's going to be playing. There's no. rumors of a villain, but is, you don't know. Is he playing James Bond? James he's playing James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond, maybe. But it was, it was actually announced through a, a charity video. 
yeah. it's a uh, it's like some competition they're running to get like a walk-in part on Star Trek. It's, uh, what do you call a charity? Omaze or something? It like supports like nine different charities. No idea, I'm not going lady. But uh, yeah, and th- I, I, I actually watched the video, <laughs> and it's, it's it's the whole cast just kind of walking about the sets of the the Enterprise. They're just all in their own clothes and all there. But then just right at the very end, Edris Elba just rocks yeah, up and just, just fucking says, "I'll oh, enter the competition or whatever." But yeah, what do you think about Big Dress being in Star Trek? I like you know what it's it's always been of my opinion that big drone should be in fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> Ready, steady, cook. Get him on there. You know what I mean. He could play in the heart. Hey. Hey, loose women. <laughs> stick him on. You know what I mean. Anything whatsoever. Get big dress on it. Pangu, get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> see, big dress is unbelievable. Like. See, I I think it was a big mistake of uh, Marvel to get him and playing the character he is in Thor. Because it was it was it was earlier in his career and he wasn't as as a big deal. So he he's playing like a side character in Thor. He could devs fucking be his own have his own superhero but fucking follow me. mistake is fucking being a sky as well. Like. <laughs> that's, that's a bad. Like anything, like. <laughs> but I mean, even at that, it was early in his career. It was seen as still kind of being a big thing. I think Jesus, what he calls character. I honestly can't remember his character's name in Thor. But he's actually a big enough character in, in the canon of Thor. And you even seen that in the Avengers, they kind of thought to themselves, fuck, we have to get him back. So they kind of shoehorned him on there, seen yeah. the Avengers, while him trying to open that bridge again, and they're like, fuck off, sword he's got. Is this I the was... second one? He's the gatekeeper, so they got there on the, uh, what do you call it? As- uh, Asgard. Asgard. Is this the second Avengers? No, the second, no, the second Avengers, yeah, he's, he's in it. Yeah, he's in the, he's Avengers. the first Avengers too, isn't it? No. Oh, yeah, it's that, yeah, sorry, my bad, he is in the second Avengers, my but apologies. Yeah, he, even, even in the second... Thor film though they gave him a, a bigger part and gave him more to Big do time and expand uh, the role yeah. but uh, yeah it's it's just a shame he doesn't get to do more kind of stuff but see to be honest we, as much as I love Big Dress I think see earlier on in his career when he was kind of catapulted onto Hollywood after he'd done you know Big you know, Stringer Bell and stuff he got in the wear he chose pretty fucking poorly he done The Losers which was that action film which is pish he done that film Shite. I've never actually seen it. it. Done, it's recently been added to Netflix, and listener, if you are listening, don't. don't you know, don't buy yourself. Like, no. but uh, it also done, and this was even more fucking butchered. It was mine that followed me down about. He was having that fucking an affair on Beyonce. He was married to Beyonce, but he was having an affair in her. Uh, he was fucking. Was that? It was, well, it was, uh, it was J- Jay Z's fucking life story? Though. <laughs> <laughs> but that was push as well, and I think I kind of uh, scuppered him a wee bit. I think it's just because he's such a good actor and he's so ridiculously fucking cool. And then Luffer's brought him back up and he's Lufa. had big role. Luffer, I'm a fucking copper. <laughs> but I mean, fucking copper. He's had fucking like, roles in Prometheus and stuff like that. You know, kind of big roles that are, are getting him a lot of. Prometheus is meant to be bigger, but they just cut, they cut him down a while ago. They should have cut that. It's, it's, well, if we've said before, it's my biggest disappointment the past 20 years in cinema, but anyway, continue. It, it's got a lot going for it, but I thought from seeing from seeing the trailers and following it since its fucking inception, I thought that it could have been maybe one of the best sci-fi's they, ever made. They they definitely shouldn't have cut out the his sex scene though. They fucking your woman, Charlie Stone. Dirty bastard, right? <laughs> Irrelevant. That plot in front of me. They still left it in though of them fucking hooking up. Why is that? Aye, in there? There's, there's, there's just no fucking... need for it whatsoever. There's no need for it at I all. Just said it was yeah, serious case of horn, I'm like. It's a long mission. <laughs> In a spaceship for about six years, what you reckon? <laughs> okay, we'll move on. 
Uh, Disney is uh, developing a live-action prequel to Aladdin called Genies. Oh, dear. The new project will focus on the realm of the genies and reveal how Aladdin's genie ended up enslaved in the lap. Mickey, I'm not going to have absolutely no interest in that news. Like, I have nothing to say about that. Okay, well... Well, without Robin Williams, there's there's no uh, need to even talk about genie. This this is my point, because... uh, Disney's obviously been recently turning its big animated stuff into live action. It's like, like that fucking Pinocchio that back all we had a couple weeks back, <laughs> and I still can't get my fucking head around the fucking Paul Thomas Anderson fighting. Don't, what? Don't We're not start that again. We're not up that kind of words. It's like. not Paul Thomas Anderson. It's Paul Three Musketeers Anderson. No, it's no, actually it's PTA. PTA. Like, but Colin doesn't like the same PTA. I don't know, but. They for, for <laughs> distinguishing between <laughs> Paul Anyway, we're not going back on this. We said we're not going back on it, so I continue. But anyway, the, the Pinocchio thing that's not Disney, it's a different company. I know, it's still fucking weird. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> Disney's turned its big animated stuff in the live action films like Cinderella, Maleficent, and there's another one. What is this? No, I fuck, I can't remember. But anyway, they're, they're doing Beauty and the Beast, they're doing Milan, and there's another one as well. <laughs> I keep for- I always forget the third one for some reason. AKA Payday, just. <laughs> That's all it is like. <laughs> Plus, I, I enjoyed Cinderella. I thought it was good. But, uh. Dumbo. That was a Tim Burton's doing Dumbo. Who the fuck are they actually going to do that live action? I know it's so weird. Isn't it? but bag, just an elephant would be like, fuck off, here's no. But anyway, what it was. Fucking Johnny Depp face on it. <laughs> 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 Clint Eastwood just. <laughs> Do you feel lucky, Trump? Oh, fucking hell, I can't believe I said that. Oh, oh, oh. Holy fucking hell. That's bad. <laughs> anyway, I'm making it. Uh, yeah, so they, they obviously want to try and do a live a live action Aladdin as well. And they, they said even uh, in, in talking about this prequel that it'll lead into a live action remake of Aladdin, essentially. But as, as you said, Genie is Robin Williams and is such an mm-hmm. iconic character of Robin Williams. That if you went straight into doing a, a Aladdin live action, everybody would be all, oh, the genie's not fucking Rob Williams, so what's yeah, the fuck anything? So I, I think by doing this prequel of G- of genies and just introducing the realm of the genies and having this main character that it's not, not necessarily Aladdin's genie, it's just mm. introducing a genie to you. So then once it goes into the whole Aladdin storyline, you already know this genie, you might already have a bit of, like, uh, relationship with this genie that it might work well in the leading in the Aladdin story. Ah, uh, well, you know what? Like I was saying already, like I mean, I, I couldn't really, I, I don't really give a fuck about this film, but I mean, at this, <laughs> it's wildly silly. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dickhead, but at this, I, I definitely get what you're saying. <laughs> I definitely get what you're saying. Um, it's I on the list, Shan. Talk I about know it. it's on the list. I have to talk about it. It's just a contractual thing here, and I have to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know what? I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. Rob Williams so iconic in the role. When you get roles like that, that an actor is just so uh, kind of ingrained in a role that you can't see anybody else doing it, then definitely it, it's the smart move to kind of go back to the prequel and and and, and take it from the start right. and, and introduce these characters. Just they kind of build up the notion in that somebody else, other than Robin Williams, could play the genie. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And they've done it twice now. Well, they, and both of them look all right. You know, they, obviously, Heath Ledger was unbelievable, and Jared Leto, I still have high hopes for. So, but they they kind of say that about every every character, any I, I, kind of big character. They say, oh, you, you can't like. Eventually, they're going to recast uh, Wolverine, like, and everybody's going to be up in arms with that. Except I mean, Jack. I, 
think Hugh Jackman. I think he's he said though that the, the third Wolverine film is going to be his last Wolverine film. But did he not say it? He would just because he's a fucking unbelievable Nick. I mean, like his, his condition at that man, it's unbelievable. Like I mean, his fuck, he's, he looks unreal looks so for a man who's fast approaching <laughs> fucking fifty. And um, I think that fits with the character because obviously he's the whole thing about ages. Wolverine is his age. So he uh, could do Wolverine and the like his fucking sixties, but it could be like when he's he's getting on a bit, like he's, he's like two hundred of. He says ideally what he would love to do is actually hear the Wolverines for about ten or fifteen years. And come back and do an old man Logan. Aye, old man. He keeps all. He always he goes on about old man, man Logan. Logan like, and uh, he just he doesn't. Uh, I think it's sort of one of those things. Where they, would they let him do it? Would they let him come back? They See, would, I hundred percent let him do it. All I was going to say right now. It's like saying if Michael Keaton and Tim Burton would make a Batman. Michael Keaton I, said that as well. He would come back as Tim Burton. But the thing is, it's because Michael Keaton star Wayne for years. Like until Birdman recently stuff again, he's only back in. You know, public guy. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman's a fucking colossus like he's an international fucking superstar like and as well he's so renowned as wolverine and he's the perfect wolverine well, that if he says i want to do wolverine on his fucking deathbed when i'm 100 they'd be like i know what are go ahead but uh, well it's one of those things like i mean you know i feel like uh bringing him back might affect the the credibility of their new wolverine well, you don't know what, what, what true true, true. Well, you don't know how you don't know how yeah. time's gonna play I like i suppose come back as him, you know, like, oh, yeah. also i've got a very i've got a very nice thing just to chuck in a very 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 uh quick thing it was released on the internet this week and it relates back to Comic Con. Yeah. Did you see the big? I, I, I'm not quite sure if it was like a Marvel panel or something like that they had, but they had like the, the likes of uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, he's Channing Tatum playing some Gambit. Gambit, that's right, he's doing Gambit. Uh, the they had a big. Panel. Yeah, they had a big. Is that the lab you're playing, Gambit? What was it? What, what panel was it? Fox <laughs> panel. Actually, man, there we are. The Fox panel. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Stan Lee is, and it's nice Stan Lee's up in the panel room because he created most of these characters and like the panel's over and there's just this wee video that a fan took of all the other actors get up and they start like kind of shaking each other's hands and chatting to each other but Stan Lee's on a walking cane now because he's like 92 he's trying to get down he steps off the panel and Channing Tatum runs across the stage helps him down the stairs what a nice uh, guy beautiful heartwarming definitely no, publicised on Twitter no, no. <laughs> Now that you mentioned uh, stuff from Kalka, I was watching the the Batman vs Superman panel and uh Ben Affleck told this story about after he was announced as Batman stuff. It was it was Halloween, and his kid wanted to dress up as Batman for Halloween. So he he went to like a costume shop. They go search for Batman costumes. So he <laughs> he, he went into the the Batman costume aisle of this Halloween shop, and he was just kind of looking at costumes with his Wayne turned around. Christian Bale with his Wayne getting a Batman. Fuck off! <laughs> That's fucking Fuck off! And uh, he. <laughs> Ben Affleck said to him. Getting a Batman costume as well. <laughs> no, it was, I for should, his Wayne. It was Wayne yeah, I was see when they see when they took a Batman costume, Ben Val Kilmer showed him. <laughs> 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 Just shows where he's at. The man, like, but <laughs> no. fucking Michael Keaton, the way out. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Batman costume. Adam West, our taxi man. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben Affleck said to Christian Bale. Oh, you have, you have any advice? And he just turned around to you and said, make sure they put a zipper on it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we'll move on to topics. And I would like to jump straight in with my topic because it is Comic-Con related. Sploosh, go on. And uh, no, it's 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 actually because like we were talking about the Deadpool leaked trailer mm-hmm. earlier and stuff. And before Suicide Squad got released, uh, that was leaked online. And the Batman vs. Superman, they actually put it online pretty much straight away. But uh, there was X-Men stuff leaked and all as well. And there's there's just been a discussion going on. Like, should the people that's, that's actually at Comic-Con in the big Hall H panels, mm. they kind of have 
like a relationship with the studio and they're kind of making this agreement like right we're going to show you this cool new stuff but don't don't video it and yeah. don't put it online and what do you think about people kind of violating that trust and putting it up online well, see, see for me right it doesn't i don't really give a fuck about it whatsoever because it's like my annoyance it's gonna it's gonna come out with a pod this week but see, it's only going to come out because somebody videos it. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that, it, fair enough, I, it, it's been leaked now, but the footage that they showed at Comic-Con is more likely going to go into the public domain in about three or four weeks. I don't think it really matters. Now, I understand, obviously, that uh, the studios have, have a plan and, and, they've, and they've got stuff they want to release at certain times. They kind of keep on with the marketing strategy and the marketing campaign, and that's uh, 100%. But I think C is just your kind of, your, your man in the street, sort of Joe Bloggs fan, I find it just very hard to identify with multi-million I mean, pound corporations I, I, and shadows, I, I, I you know what I mean? I really believe that, you know, I'm getting sick of hearing about leak stuff because, you know, I fucking hate this shit. I think it's part of the machine as well, like, too. Yeah, I do think it's part of the machine. Like, you know, and it's just, you know... Because when you say it's leaked, it, it adds a bit of, not, I wouldn't say danger, but it's like, oh, fuck, we're not supposed to be seeing this. Yeah. And I think it, sometimes maybe this is us being very cynical, but definitely what Colin said, I do agree with you. I mean, I, I well, well, no, like with the with the Deadpool test footage, that was definitely just leaked by Fox, like just to mm. see how people would react. Mm. It, like, yeah, of course. But I, I think with the kind of Comic Con Hall H stuff, that is more just people just video it with their phones. I wouldn't say that's kind of part of the machine, really. But uh, no, but it's like pe- people go on about that for the thousands of people that are there in that in that thing, seeing mm. that panel that it's supposed to be a special thing just for those fans, and it kind of robs them of their kind of thing of. They made the pil- pilgrimage to go to Comic Con. They yeah. made the big trip, and it's a lot of money. It's a lot of effort. But uh, yeah, I, I do understand that. It kind of robs them of that. Band live as well. I mean, uh, you've heard the album. The only thing unique about seeing them is, is seeing that specific performance in that specific place. But that's different in itself. I mean, if it was a live band, I would probably agree with it a wee bit more. Uh, but it's footage that's just there. It's, it's pre-recorded. Really, like really, you, know, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you how aware I think people are of the machine. Like they're, I'm not going to say the name, but my friend was a production manager on uh, a pop video about two years ago. Mm. And uh, there was this uh, this pop star, whatever. Uh, I just can't, can't say the name. Uh, <laughs> no, of course not. That's great. Like. Uh, the, 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 the machine that was surrounding uh, her was it was one of these things where uh, it's a woman. They, they they came up and it was just right. Okay, so we're going to do this. Uh, are we going to do this this topless shot now? Then this sort of uh, yeah. somebody snapped you from somewhere, you know, going mad and how crazy the set was. Fuck and all off. Stuff. So we'll just we'll just do this shot now. Get out of the way. And that, that's that's how aware they were. There was Fuck there was two or three people Christ. there to do that just to publicize that fake fake aye, nude shots like aye, just to do that that kind of thing and, and things like that where like it's just, uh, like posing as if they were the paparazzi like right that I, I, is I, fucked up so that honestly that that's how aware people are okay like i retract all my previous <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I have now lost all hope in humanity <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it's this kind of thing i mean if go really, fuck yourself san diego really <laughs> 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 oh that was good <laughs> but if they really wanted people to you know uh not record it they would have them you know we have them padded down as they're coming in the door i mean that but you see that's work. that's getting too extreme with then like but they, i mean they'd be taking people's if they took phones it off them. seriously and if you really didn't want out, that's what they would have to they do would, and they would in fairness they would like know, it's a, if, they, if they're saying oh it's millions of fucking dollars sales billions perhaps and the, that's what they would do that's what they should do but they, they really but do you not think they should be able to but do you not think they should be able to just 
trust in their fans. But see, I, I, see, I think I think the league thing, the league thing is. It's, I personally it's, think it's irrelevant. Like. It's a completely, I think it's a completely dated uh, publicity stunt. Yeah, uh, I really think it is. At least it's like, who cares? You're going to see it. I mean, the inter- look at the internet. It's a fucking behemoth. You can get anything. I don't trust the league thing. What do you want? I don't, I don't think it's. it's you see, you pretty much think any leak is an elite. Completely I because what what better way to test a reaction to a new actor playing like Batman or playing like whatever just yeah. to go and then just read all the fucking YouTube comments? It's, it's like free critiques and yeah. free kind of thing. And then, it's basically yeah. just like a, it's like a it's like a focus panel. You know what it's I mean? Like That's fo- what was exactly. it? It's a focus panel, and then if they want to change something, then you know things like because I think I think Sherlock Holmes or something was leaked, and then it was like Robert Mario, uh, the, the 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 first one I think was leaked mm. or something, and then. I think it was shown the the studio bosses as well as being leaked, and uh, I think Moriarty wasn't meant to be in the first one, and they actually had to go back when they finished the film and reshoot things with Moriarty. That's right, because there's a wee there's a wee tiny insert scene where you kind of see Moriarty hanging out the back of a carriage, but you don't actually see him; you just see his fucking velvet glovers. Oh my god, comes out. You see his wee his wee fingers. Right, okay, uh, we'll move on to another topic. Who wants to go? Uh, my topic this week isn't even my own topic. It is a listener's topic that has been recommended by uh, one of our listeners, uh, Mary Bradley, who... Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Mary all, Bradley. all the way from New Zealand. G'day, mate. <laughs> oh, that's Australia. There's going to be a riot now. There's going to be a war now because of that. You know how big we are in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how do they say hello in New Zealand? I don't know. Just what's, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm not fucking going to ask Mary. There's a difference between how uh, Aussies and New Zealand people say fish and chips. And there's an Australian friend of mine. He looks like a cross between Joseph Cotton and John McCain. For anybody who doesn't know, there, uh, Joseph Cotton is from uh, the third man, Citizen Kane. John McTiernan is the director of Die Hard. <laughs> so, strike a loving man. And uh, he just has this definition of it was all, that's how you know somebody's from New Zealand or from Australia, how they say fish and chips. So, how, <laughs> so how do they say it? One of them, he says, I think he slags off New Zealand people for saying fish and chops. Like that just sounds like they're from fucking Belfast. I know. Fosh and chops. Kaiser Chak. Kaiser Chak. What a fucking man. Anyway, Jen. So I'm Mary, I know you're right. <laughs> Mary, uh, <laughs> Mary sent us a message this week. Now, she asked, because she entered the competition, thank you, Mary, and she asked that could we discuss uh Sports movies and the best sports movies. She all and now in fairness, Mary, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking you know do you out here. But you also asked me to discuss basketball by Trey Parker, Matt Stone. I have watched that for about fifteen years ago. Can't remember nothing about it. Don't really like it that much. So we're we're not we're going to we're not going to discuss basketball. Well, Sorry, I, Mary. I'm going to discuss basketball. What are you going to do? Be, be, because Shan Coyle watched basketball yeah. once, and it was my fucking DVD of <laughs> basketball that <laughs> he watched, and I TV. and I still <laughs> don't have a fucking back, and it's it's in his ma's attic now. <laughs> also with my copy of <laughs> Almost Famous, and <laughs> also with my copy of Almost Famous, and another third DVD that I can't remember. Can you have mine, eh? <laughs> And I Jesus still want Mikey. them back. Jesus, Mikey, you can't myself. You let me have 15 years ago. Hey, and I don't have them back. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point. I, lo- I completely forgot about those. 
I'm all satisfied now. I go panic. Right out there, living fucking. Straight, straight that pawn shop just <laughs> <laughs> got me a ten bucks back in the day. But anyway, I so I sports movies. Mickey's <laughs> <laughs> fist. <laughs> Probably bought those DVDs for about a pound each. Stoke. <laughs> no, I shoplifted. <laughs> <laughs> right. So sports movies. What's your favorite sports movie? If you don't have one, I'll go to Mickey. What's your favorite? Ah, it's fucking class. I was going to bring that up because it's one of the few sports movies that I've seen. <laughs> I can see you being interested in sports movies. Well, You're you not see, on the sports. Well, you see, I, see, I was thinking about this and I was thinking what sports movie I've seen. And I had seen Remember the Titans and it's fucking sweet. But uh, I also really love basketball, as she mentioned in her message. And uh, and then I thought, Dodgeball? That's that's a sports Aye. movie. Aye! <laughs> yeah, that's I. That was probably one of the only times where I fucking laughed out loud, you know, by myself. That was when uh, Ben Stiller's walking away from Vince Vaughn and he bumps into this guy and he's got like a drink and he just fucks the drink. <laughs> 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 what the hell? Ben Stiller in that film is fucking phenomenal. What, what's his character's name again? Can we remember? Oh, I, I, just, I just know his fucking it's, it's his like, boy's called Michelle. <laughs> it's, it's like just some of the lines are just Blazer. golden like... Blazer. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. It's fucking absolutely um, one really? of the funniest things is when he fucking clicks and the wee moped comes. <laughs> 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 that's his wife as well. I know, I, that's a fucked up thing. They start with Charles Quartermans. But one thing about sports movies, because uh, Mary obviously sent this in, yeah, I thought that we wouldn't just fucking you know, quote each other films and all that there. But I think there's a very interesting thing about sports movies. It kind of uh, leads on from what we were saying last week about Richard Curtis and about time and about a niceness because... 99% of sports movies all have the same structure. It's usually this ragtag bunch of misfits have been thrown together or there's one, you know, oh, guy... Mighty Ducks just minded me. Yeah. Raw <laughs> out there or there's this, you know, the, the, the lead actor, the lead actor's the main character who's, you know, <laughs> just joined the team and stuff like that. And there's always the same structure all the time. There's usually a team who's up against them who are a big sure of bastards. <laughs> Sometimes, I'd say about 85% of the time, they're foreign. When I say foreign, mostly German for whatever reason. It seems like Germany's the, the go-to well, one. The, the bad guys in Mighty Ducks 3 is Iceland, I believe. Iceland? <laughs> yeah. That's some sad, of course. But sports movies, like, it's, it's, it's so it's, all-encompassing. It's a, it's a wide... uh, I have to take a fact, I have to say Raging Bull. You have to say Raging Bull. It's one of the best films ever made. Like, you know what I mean? When you're saying Raging Bull, or when you're saying Mighty Ducks or Raging Bull, you have a fucking problem. You know what I mean? But there's definitely a structure two sports movies like I was saying that is very familiar and it's very simple but like we were saying last week with Richard Curtis it's that simplicity and it's it's that sort of knowing what's happening but there's just a really nice fucking amazing feeling that you get at the end when that team that you've been following the whole way through who are flawed overcome the other fucking team or they won the championship or they won the big game or something like that and you've seen it like thousands of times before but like we said last week feeling nice feels nice so why the fuck not you know what I mean because a lot of people sometimes kind of deride sports films they go ugh oh, I'm sure we've seen that so many times before uh, but I mean people forget that cinema was created to be just entertainment you know what I mean and the fun before though really exactly I remember years ago when when uh, uh, Brother Mark Day came out because there was a massive Golden Brothers fan and then mm. I was an adaptation of Homer's Odyssey and I was just like you know I just I just thought every other fucker is an adaptation of Homer's Odyssey yeah, I, I know I did not want to see it like I was like oh fuck's sake like 
And then it's unbelievable. Eventually, it was one of these things where I think it was actually an English assignment when I was at university where I kind of had to. It was. We're in the same class. Had to talk about it, and it was sort of. It's an R book, Eric. But it was about uh, placing it, and uh, you know what are you using the the formula of something for? And I thought uh, because. Why, why uh, David Joyce adapted it and why everybody it, it was one of those things where he said well man as in like man and woman but you know mankind have a right to fucking you know go through their day and get home and do, you know this kind yeah. of thing like a modern right to get home to their spouse or get home and to their family and this kind of thing and you face obstacles of every day and you can metaphor that in absolutely anything and uh, if anybody's doing their English uh, A-levels uh, fucking uh, just compare everything to the Odyssey and get an A <laughs> 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 I don't know <laughs> and it's this kind of thing of uh, what, what I thought about Obama where I thought it was just like uh, man's right to do this here where actually they said it in the south when every man was an equal so nobody like not every man had the right to do these things and so this is why is why I sort of did like that and, and placing an old formula and something they make a comment about right. as well like going to Titan it, it's, it's you know it's the formula of that but it's replacing it it's the same thing it's a ratio thing it's, it's, it's making football sort of uh, put people together and, and this kind of thing and it, uh that's a good point. It's almost like watching even sports films. It isn't just even for the, the usually aye, familiar end goal of one of the championship, but it's actually seeing people come together and achieve something. Uh, and I yeah, think in a, in a general sort of human level, mm. and it's very simple to do through cinema, it's, just, it's, it's very gratifying. That's actually a really good point, which I never would have considered. But a thing I wanted to bring up with this whole sports topic is <clears throat> what sports do you think just don't translate well the film. Old enough, the, the biggest sport on earth, football. Yeah, soccer. Fo- fo- soccer, yeah, soccer to our American <laughs> listeners. Yeah, that, that's what, why I was going to bring up is like, what, what football films is there? Like, Escape the Victory, Mean Machine, Bend it like Beckham. Like, uh, goal, uh, goal 2. <laughs> goal 3. Do you know what it is about uh, football or, or, or soccer? We're just going to say football from now on because, you know, fuck you Americans. Like. <laughs> but, uh, it is football, like you kick a ball with your foot. But uh, I think that a football doesn't translate well to cinema because. The biggest football shite, though, too, like. Well, that's not shit. Yes. Says <laughs> <laughs> so I'm playing Andorra yesterday. But. Uh, <laughs> but I take part, I don't watch. I turn off. But I think the reason. Much that like sex. Whereas, whereas boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Smell I watch it on take part <laughs> yeah, is that serious I'm John here it's a buddy buddy I roast in all fairness buddy I roast on it I like get that gravy out but anyway uh, fuck what was it Aye, so the reason I think a football doesn't translate is whereas boxing that's confined and it's easy to focus on two men beating a fucking lane yeah. in each other I think American even American football seems to be the other one that, that has kind of translated very well and the uh, in the cinema I actually just think that down to the actual body movements of what those sports entail American football where if you're going for a touchdown it's a very obvious sort of it's thing big, you know what I mean and American football is a lot slower it's stop start and you can kind of get a lot of times where you know those inspirational scenes where you, you bring the team back you know we're going to make this player or whatever the fuck uh, there's else. no real time outs there's, there's no time outs <laughs> in football besides half time you can't have someone for a half time team talk but I think because football's constant and there's just no football match, and this might sound stupid because you know it's the same for every sport. But no football match is ever the same, and there's there's no uh, there's no decisive rhythm to football. It's it's always it, it could be stop start, it could be a free flow match, and it's just hard to capture that 
the only way you could capture it is they actually go to the to the kind of sort of the bird's eye thing that you see on Sky Sports to capture it, but then that would just become boring if I feel like you're watching a match and not a fun one. Also, I like watching about Supertable. Also, I like watching about Like, why well, is this fucking Supertable? Just, you know what I mean? But like watching about Snooker Table. But uh, what I, I do find, what I do find uh, interesting about about the whole thing we're saying is that one of the best football thumbs that I've seen is uh, the Damned United. It's it's essentially it's it's Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen yeah, it, it's it's crazy. He's, he's unbelievable, but it's it's almost like a, it's it's a, it's a small focused biography of Brian Clough. Brian Clough was a one of the most famous English football managers ever, managed Leeds United and Nottingham Forest. And essentially, what it is is he had this very doomed spell as as a Leeds United manager, and I think he only lasted like forty four days or something like that because he came in there after a very successful manager left. They took the England job, and the whole team hated him, and they just refused. They cannot play for him. But it, it's more like a, a character sort of Brian Clough. It's not really about the football. It's more I about how... I was going to say, like, is yeah. there much football scene? But like? this is exactly what I'm saying. The reason that it actually kind of stands out as a, as a great... I wouldn't even call it so much a football film, but it's, you know, it's obviously got... It, it, it's it's focused on, on on the world of football. The reason, though, that it stands out is because it doesn't show you any football. It shows you the all but of them kind of kicking a few balls about in training. But when it comes to matches, it does this very cool thing of when the players are walking up the tunnel... It just kind of freeze frames, and then it shows you the score on the screen as they're walking up the tunnel. You can hear the noises of the match, but you don't actually see the match. And I thought that was a very smart thing, and I definitely think that it was the director's touch that he realised that football just doesn't seem to transit, be a body movement, well on the screen. So we'll not actually show it, but you still see the ramifications of like them losing, or you know, and it, it, it then also drives the, the sort of the the, hum, the human aspect there because it is like I was saying before, more a character sort of Brian Clough. But I, it, it's it's sort of weird. I don't know why. Well, you see, I always thought like, <clears throat> what what if if they actually really wanted to show like like at the end of Mean Machine, it all comes down to that big final match, so they have to show the match kind Is of thing. Machine shows before they do. No, I I still it just doesn't look right for yeah. some reason. I don't know why. Do you know what I think it is though? And this is literally just popped into my head. I think that. The reason that boxing and even American football, you I was about to say, what 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 sports are, are visually the best? Boxing and I think American football are two that have translated the most. Hmm. I think the reason that they translate so much is like I was saying before, it's it's confined. Baseball stuff, the, the slide into the end. Even I, even even baseball, <laughs> but I think that football doesn't because saying football is so global and it's so beloved around the world. Most people are used to seeing football usually, if not seeing it live, then. 99% of the time you're going to be seeing on a TV screen. Football has a very definitive framing of matches. You know the framing I'm talking about? It is the football camera angle. So when you see football from another angle, yeah. when it's down on the ground, it just looks... It looks, mental, it, right? it looks not even so much mental. It looks constructed and it doesn't look real. You know you what see, I mean? Th- this is what I was going to say. Do you think a film, if it does need to show the match, would benefit from just doing the, the way football is shot for TV? Or I, I, I think from from a from a realistic aspect, I, it would be an absolute fucking nightmare because you're gonna have to get twenty two actors, or maybe <laughs> you get like twenty two actors to try and you know and and have well, some sort of talent at football. The thing I mean, it's like the reason. Well, you're far enough away. It's a like, new visual thing they started doing. Is now you can tell when the boy when the keepers uh, kicking it out, uh, the camera actually just rises with a ball. That's yeah. a really fucking cinematic thing they're yeah. doing there. Like, I mean, it, have they started doing that for matches? Uh, so the keeper is just about to fucking hoof it up the field, and then the camera raises with a ball, and it just gives you a big wide angle shot mm. of the whole stadium and raises with a ball. It looks fucking crazy. Now, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, sk- since the the kind of dawn of Sky Sports, I don't want to go on to anything. We'll move on from this very quickly. But Sky Sports is you know 
Premier League, biggest league in the world, Sky Sports shows it, and they're trying innovation after innovation. They make football kind of more visually spectacular, and they've got like player cams, and they've got like uh, they've got like you know player cams bullshit. A player cam is awful, <laughs> but they got all these things, you know, like uh, like uh, the zoomins and stuff like that. Adding more rain, there's a couple of times I, I <laughs> honestly there was times where rain. I thought, <laughs> Do you think they have rain machines up on no, no, fucking no, no, stadiums? No, no, like, like a, I think there's a program I use called uh, uh, Oh, like Action Essentials. Uh, <laughs> and I just think it's raining, and I just thought, that rain isn't moving. <laughs> it's not, and honestly, the camera was moving, but the rain was moving with the camera. I don't know if you know that shot. Because like, if you're meant to do it right, if you imagine the cameras panning right, then your rain would pan left, aye, and it would sort of move off shot, and it <laughs> didn't. It aye. moved for the camera. I was like, put more fucking rain there, shit. <laughs> it is. You know, so I thought well, there, there, there's certainly that thing where it's certainly mixed with with cinematic tools and sports. Definitely. I mean, Sky Sports have been doing that since like you know the, the inception of Premier League and stuff like that back '93, and and they've been trying to make it more innovative and you know, more exciting to watch, especially to kind of pull people on who maybe are non football fans like you two here. But anyway, yeah, like that that first shot they do at the beginning every match. <laughs> It's like a bird's eye view thing. But see, one thing is that they have all this stuff that they, they, they have there to entice people. But the most standard shot of football you will see was that wide. Was that wide that we were talking about. And then just to go back to it, I think it's, it's when you see football. And because football's so quick and it's more about reflexes and reaction. When you actually have to focus on a film on a footballer taking a touch or, or trying to take it around someone. Especially if it's not a professional footballer and as an actor trying to pose it. It just looks fake. Whereas I think... It is way more achievable to get an actor to, to throw a ball because you can call away and somebody receiving it. I think because football is a wee bit faster, it's just hard to fake, essentially. Well, I'll give you another interesting example. is uh, Rocky Balboa when uh, Rocky was fighting. He was called Mason Dixon in the film, but it's actually Tony Carver, who's a real fighter. And uh, they actually used like, the, the ESPN kind of... Uh, the, the kind of look on it but yeah. on it there and it's the same cameras and they actually had all the SBN stuff on it so they were trying to make it as real and modern as possible and I actually still think Breaking Ball is probably one of the best of all of them mm. but um, but do you not think that like I was saying about the football thing they do, they do using, but I but they do mix it but using that ESPN structure and say if a football film was to use this sort of Sky Sports or the work, general football you know broadcasting structure because, I mean they, they think there's a camera four pillars and it's constantly it's that dynamic look and yeah. it's that close and it's just just generally a more dynamic looking sport, like mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but I don't know. Uh, we have to move on. Things I was going to talk about uh, Legion Bowl. Okay. Was, was it, uh, no, just I, I'm saying about what what I think. Legion Bowl is definitely not the same formula. Legion Bowl is more about the man, you know, and it's about I, th- I think what originally attracted De Niro and scorsese was uh de niro found the story and he kept pushing it to scorsese for a very long time and this is essentially i mean obviously the famous story is that scorsese came out and said that de niro and that film basically saved his life because he was in the depths of fucking serious drug addiction at the time he was dying of cancer he thought and he thought, thought, he thought raging bull was going to be his last film jesus christ and, uh, it was one of these things where de niro kept pushing about this guy and i think the thing about the boxer was that he said that he enjoyed this guy who had an obsession with weight Mm-hmm. Was con- it's constantly through the film. It's an obsession with with waiting. Like all boxers do. Like all do. And this is what fascinated De Niro about it. But I mean, it had this. You know, it had all these different things that sort of spilled out over it. There was like a paranoia. Yeah. You know, because these Jesuit people want to generate paranoid as well and this kind of stuff. And 
they get that across so well of, of Jake Romano being massively insecure, especially the things about his wife. Like, no, no, nobody can even fucking look at his wife always and go fucking uh, crazy, you know what I mean? I mean, the thing is, as well, it was, uh, there's a scene, uh, the prison scene. Have you seen it, Ricky? There's a prison scene where uh, De Niro, he, he eventually gets busted and all, and he's punching the wall and he's saying, like, why, 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 and this kind of thing. Paul Schrader originally wrote it that they tried to masturbate and couldn't. And it was this kind of thing. I mean, and that's where I think the sport and the man sort of, you know, this is where it sort of transcends the standard formula for a sports film. Yeah. And, and he couldn't, and, and this is <coughs> this is what he wanted to happen. And then it was Scorsese and De Niro talking out of that. I actually, I actually kind of prefer that. I think it's more that the man's just, you know, he, he felt impotent as a man and as a fighter and stuff because he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't beat this one guy this kind yeah. of stuff and uh, he, he just had serious pride and serious problems just generally and uh, uh, no, Raging Bull I think sort of transcends the whole thing really it's, it's far more uh, introspective and that kind of thing which is like, well it begs the question like is it really a sports movie if it's about the man rather really than a, the sports it's you not really I mean, I mean he, he happens to be his yeah. job happens to be he was a boxer yeah. I think it's, it's more about the man yeah. but anyway we'll move on Heron what's your topic uh, my thoughts is, uh, and we've actually touched on a few of these tonight, is uh, films that, I was thinking about, you know, you tell people your, your favourite films, and always your favourite film, you're like, I'm going to have to have you read at least 10 of them. Aye. <laughs> In no particular order, right now, because this 10 will probably change yeah. tomorrow. But I was just thinking about the, my favourite films, and like, uh, most of them were critically, uh, critically liked, but box office, kind of unsuccessful. Mm. But I just was thinking about that because we were talking about Sorcerer before and we talked about Last Action Hero before and stuff and I was just thinking about generally films. Is that one of your favourite films? No, no, we're just, I, mean, <laughs> I was thinking about films that were uh, critically oh, like, okay. well uh, thought of but just were, were, uh, were not actually box office successes but kind of you know, uh, became sort of cults after that kind of thing and all and there's, there's so many great films that could be lost if they, if they don't talk about them. Yeah, of course, <laughs> no, of course. Uh, just very quickly as a side point, because I read this during the week and I didn't realise it, and I thought, fuck, it, it's, it's a cracking thing to chat about in the podcast. You literally just mentioned Sorcerer. It was your topic weeks and weeks ago, and then obviously it combines and your interest too, Michael, uh, Star Wars. Oh. The reason that Sorcerer it. absolutely bombed is because it was released, I think, like two weeks before Star Wars. No, I actually think it was fuck you, Sorcerer! <laughs> it, it was in the same week and what is mental as well is that essentially ruined William Friedkin's career for about fucking 20 years I think well, what's happening they were going to release them all in the same theatre or something like this and then I think because of you George Lucas and this kind of thing was wrong what's happening George and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it was George really didn't like them and decided they just fucking take them out uh, <laughs> they, they were like screening for the premiere they were doing their tests for their sound and this kind of yeah. thing and then he says right should you want to come next door and have a look at what else is going on there's just a film called Star Wars that's coming out and then he, he, he opened his head and screamed in black and then came up and saw uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and just goes, fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just said he could he see just knew he, he knew this was going to be fucking massive. <laughs> Maybe we fall about a fucking maybe we fall about a lack of boys trying to get across our bridge is not going to come down. It's like, hey boys, driving a van over a bridge and a fucking galaxy far, far away. Fuck, sick. I'm done. Don't even bother releasing it. Fuck, I'm like, crack out, Walt. 
<laughs> but just to clarify, your topic is films that we like that were films that we like that we think are good films that were you know critically good, but then do good box they, they, office. They, they weren't good at the time and that kind of thing. And it just oh, do right. do you mean sorry that they weren't critically loaded or box office poison? Um, no, I, th- I think I'm more box office poison. They were they were critically quite liked, but they just didn't do quite well. And I just think it's more, just, for example, things like Sorcerer, which yeah. I think is a film that fucking everybody should see. And I just think it's worth talking about these films that mm-hmm. what we've forgotten them is that we, we keep talking. Okay, about well them. I'll go on Andy one, but I think pretty much everybody really likes this film. But it did do part of the box office. High fidelity. Yeah, did that do part of the box? It did part of the box office. Fucking hell, a lot of films. It's fucking really awesome awful. films. Great film. John Cusack just being his best. John Cusack <laughs> just being himself. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just but he's, it's, he's it's got a, a niche. It's an awesome film. film. I fucking love it. I mean, I, 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 I could watch that film all day. But I read a book and it was just it's because it's obviously set in England and all you know and this kind of thing and all and most of it's very much the same and all. There's actually just as a wee fucking trivia thing. There's a scene in it where he's just sitting there having a fag uh, at his desk and the phone rings and he does take a note down uh, you, you see him do it and then somebody comes up to talk to him the note is actually to go to uh, a woman is trying to fucking sell all her boyfriend's records he has like 2,000 of the fucking rarest records in the world and yeah. uh, she says I'm going to sell them all for 50 bucks because she wants to spite the boyfriend and uh, <laughs> morally he doesn't do it he just, he just takes two of them and gives her 50 but it's just it's what you say it's, it's actually in the book and I think they did film it but uh, when he takes that wee note down that's what he's well, that, that's, that that sounds familiar yeah. I feel like maybe that phone call's in the film or something the phone call, that's what I'm saying the phone call is in the film oh okay but, but the they, don't, after, they, don't, oh, they okay. don't do the scene after and what would yours be? Uh, I'd have to go back to Sorcerer thing. Aye. Sor- Sorcerer and Wonder Boys are like two of the most fucking forgotten films. Oh, Wonder like. Boys. Sorry, I have to go. <laughs> but like, it's, uh, I mean, Michael Douglas said he, he thought it was his best work and he, he says he just had no idea why it didn't work because, you know, it was it was Curtis Hanson who mm-hmm. didn't just pick off as he says, Ellie Confidential. It was, yeah. the DP was Dante Spanati from Heat and Ellie Confidential and, uh, you know, Michael Douglas, Robert Downey Jr., Katie Holmes, Tobey Maguire, Rip Torn, you know. Uh, uh, stellar cast, like. And uh, uh, Francis McDormand as well. And it's just, it's a fucking, and you know, Bob Dylan, the soundtrack and all, and you get a really cool soundtrack. It's just, it's just a really good feeling film. I mean, it does challenge you about certain things, but it's just, it's a really good novel adaptation. You know, it has yeah. this kind of, the kind of feeling of, like, the Good Will Hunting kind of thing. It's that yeah. sort of Miramaxi kind of feel to it. It's really, really good. And then, Again, Sorcerer, I just think is it's just a, such a seriously forgotten film. It's one of the most visually strong films I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, he just uh, and just just a story that you don't you don't see anymore. You really don't. Uh, you know, it's like those secret agent fucking stories where they go down to a mission for like you know two months or something. You know, the thing is, like, I'll say things like say. Uh, I was going to say like Killer's Way, which again is another film that was fucking yep. didn't do very well. Yeah, but you know it's like at the end in Killer's uh, he hides on the escalator. It's that kind of thing of what would you do, right? And I think Sorcerer, the whole film was full of that. You know, oh, it's complete. I mean, like the whole thing. If you were in that situation with them four boys, what would you do? You know, if you were one of these guys, what would you do? You'd go to fucking South America to fucking hide out. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 you really would. Like, you know, and you're like, what else are you going to fucking do? I like, clear shit away. Like, it's, it's just, you know, see ya. See ya. You know, and it's just, and it just keeps that going. Of, 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 what would you do naturally? And it just, 
it's just your character there's no tropes or plots you know they, they are there but they, they, they get to their conclusions by sheer character and that's why I just think it's such a fucking strong film and yeah. then met with like some of the most visually fucking stunning things I've ever seen in a, in a film like they just don't make films like that anymore you know it's all on a fucking green screen it's just they did all that for real like you know it's fucking good man. my one and then would even just link on they mean uh, recommendation as well which would would it would be like again they bring back Carpenter but big trouble I guess I'd have salty Wayne would you but uh, <laughs> I, I love the fact the listener doesn't know but uh, usually the danger bottle would be completely polished by now but there's been about two subs out of this danger bottle wreck a valley because it is fucking atrocious it's a lonely danger bottle yeah it's a lonely <laughs> it's a lonely Bulgarian Merlot <laughs> but uh my one would kind of be the guest. Now, I, I, I was going to say Big Trouble in Little oh, China, right. uh, obviously the John Carpenter film, but I'll actually say The Guest, which I showed you last week and you really enjoyed. Fucking unreal, eh? Aye. Did you talk about it a few weeks ago? I talked about it the first few weeks. I still haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm going to watch it. The reason that I say it too, and it is my recommendation for this week also, I, I implore you to watch it. It's just been added to Netflix about two weeks ago, is uh, that... It's just such a smart film. Such a smart film. It's uh, basically a deconstruction of John Carpenter films and basically 80s sort of thrillers. You've got this character played by Dan Stevens from, from Downton Abbey. It was his first big kind of Hollywood role. Uh, and he plays this, this character, David. And like halfway through the film, most attention is built up on the fact that you're not quite sure if he's a psychopath or he actually is there to help this family. What it is is that he lands at this... Uh, family's house one day in like kind of rural i think it's ohio or something like that or kansas and he says i knew your your son and their son was recently killed in like in combat i'm not quite sure if it's iraq or afghanistan or something and they invite him into their home and the tension is really kind of weird gabe you're not quite sure if he's got what 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 is you know what what he intends to do essentially now what i love about it is that it is this deconstruction of John Carpenter film, so you've got this amazing synthy kind of eighty soundtrack, and then you've got the kind of over the top action scenes. Then when you know, I'm not going to spoil the film, but there's over the top action scenes, and like even how the characters react and how they go on is very very rooted in that time period, and it's almost like a wee time capsule, and it's very known and it's very very self referential, and it should have been a big cut, but because most people went there thinking, oh, this is just a standard action film, and you know, shooting and guns and violence and etc. etc. When they seen that self-referentiality, they they didn't get it. They were thinking, what, this this just seems naff, this seems off, what, why is there these awkward pauses, why is there this, why is there that? And in a way, it's kind of ironic, because it was a recreation, or a, a, sorry, a, sorry, a deconstruction of John Carpenter films, and a John Carpenter film by Trouble in Little China that tried to do the very same thing and deconstruct the martial arts and action genre, also bombed at the box office, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Big Trouble in Little China essentially stunted John Carpenter's career for about four or five years. He couldn't get angry. Right. So I just found that it was like almost history repeating itself that John Carpenter of Big Trouble in Little China tried to do it and tried to take it from a different angle. Bombed at the box office. Then The Guest, made by Adam Wingard just mm-hmm. last year, tried to deconstruct John Carpenter films. And because people didn't really get what he was trying to do, that also bombed at the box office. And it should have been, for me, one of the biggest films of last year. But it's absolutely been. excellent. Give it a go. It's only about an hour and thirty-five minutes long. If you've got a wee evening, you got fuck all day watch. It's Kenny excellent. Can I walk on ninety-five minutes? Doesn't, 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 doesn't take itself too seriously. The action's ridiculous. It's so over the top. It's normally kind of naff and over the top, and the soundtrack's phenomenal. But I, that's my recommendation. 
I shall take that recommendation. I've been meaning to actually watch it, but it's just, I, I don't know. I haven't cocked on it for some reason. Yeah, I chose the every man on stage. I, <laughs> I don't know why. You don't bad. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was on a different service. But, uh, <laughs> uh, fuck it. I'll, I'll go into my recommendation. My recommendation, it's a bit of a curious one because I don't know if it's a good film or not. I remember it being a good film, but I haven't seen it in fucking maybe 10, 12 years. It's The Count of Monte Cristo, the the remake with uh, Guy Pearce and oh, Jim beautiful. Jim Caviezel. Never actually seen it. Big Jesus himself. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Jim Caviezel. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mind seeing it when this is going to sound like I, I'm the richest bastard in the world, but... I, I mind seeing it skiing in Switzerland. Mounted. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded. It's not. <laughs> it was a school trip. It was all, it was all very cheap. He fucking needs him a pong him. No, we don't. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we just watched it one night in, in, in Switzerland. And, uh, the, the boy just stuck it on and I, re- I really enjoyed the film it was re- it, I thought it was a really good film I thought it was really engaging like it's a revenge story it's I think to, to my young eyes I haven't really seen like a big revenge story kind of thing that was absolutely passion. I remember my father told me to see it in the cinema is that a bad film do you know what I, 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 I haven't seen it I I haven't seen it since I was literally eight when obviously I had no conception <laughs> yeah. of what cinema was and maybe I could watch it's it now and think oh fuck that's a, it's a really well constructed film but as an eight year old what the fuck was my dad doing? Taking me, <laughs> the, you know, I mean, the man there mask. That that just bored the tuts off me as a wine. Like, but anyway, continue. But yeah, it's like it. It was just a bit of surprise for me because we we didn't want to watch the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. I had fucking Austin Austin Powers fucking gold member on DVD. Cool. I was like, <laughs> fucking, let's watch this. <laughs> Everybody was dying to watch Austin Powers, <laughs> and the boy was all, no, we're not putting that on. We're putting the Count of Monte Cristo on. And uh, we he stuck it on. I actually, really, it was it was actually that trip. I see as my well, fucking like, count of Monte Cristo when I'm on. But it was, it was actually that trip as well I, that I seen. Remember the Titans? So right, they, they they were going. They were showing us good films, like. Uh, but uh, yeah, Count of Monte Cristo. I I really enjoyed it. It's a good revenge film, and Guy Pearce just comes off with like bastard on it, like. And it's just re- really interesting. I, I'd, for for my young eyes, it was something different and it was something good. So go watch it, and you can write back to me and tell me if it's any good. Let's oh, talk more music. <laughs> I love you recommending a film you've been seeing in fifteen years. <laughs> I like this. Maybe we should start doing that. Yeah. Recommend films you like this Halloween. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, are, are we are we danger recommendation? Uh, <laughs> like, I, 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 is I, it good? Is it not? <laughs> problem child. <laughs> 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 Anyway, Aaron, your recommendation this week. Watch your recommendation. Okay. I had it there, but I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, aye, right, okay. Uh, is it? Are you asking, is it? You should know what it is. <laughs> anyway, Touch of Evil, Orson Welles. Ah, uh, unbelievable. Yes, yeah. unbelievable. Because I had that DVD here for a long time, and I actually went straight on there recently, and I uh, hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I mean, everybody's seen that open... That crane shot or that track. Even it just just watch watch the farm alone for that opening seven minutes. Aye. It's some of the best camera work and best scenery or best best scene you ever see. Like I think I mean a, a lot of a lot of times when people you know think about old films, they think they don't have uh, modern things to say. Yep. 
and they're three. Those two schools can uh, was well, say uh, high trousers. That was a fast hard high trousers, right? Because I mean, uh, the, like, just for the listener who doesn't know, like, touch of evil. Touch of Evil is is usually not not the radio, but just to give you a, a bit of fucking a background info, is, is almost seen as as the curtain call on the on the fall and the war period. It's nineteen fifty nine. Most uh, people see Touch of Evil as being the last true fall and the war. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, and I think, I mean, in saying that too, I think it's probably one of the, one of the richest fall and the wars ever. I mean, it's it's again, it's the same thing as we were saying earlier about the sports films and yeah. about. Uh, like using old, I mean, you also know, using old formulas and this kind of thing, but using it to say something. I mean, it's it's on a border, and they're actually using it to deal with racism again. Yes, what we're talking about, and uh, and and there's there's actually there's some seriously shocking stuff in that. They, they suggest like there's there's a there's a gang rape. Yeah, that? there is, and as well that there's the, there's a big thing about fucking like hard fucking drugs, hard mechanics. Now, mm, mm. the reason that they could get away with it, obviously, most all like classic fall in the wars, like you know, the Maltese fucking double indemnity made maybe in the forties and early fifties and stuff like that, and they were kind of more constricted with the studios and a bit of the haze code. Nineteen fifty nine, you know, it was getting a wee bit more liberal. You're going on the sixties counterculture, and they could get away with a wee bit more. And if you look at uh, Touch of Evil now, especially for someone who's not maybe well chinned on with older films, I think mm-hmm. you'll be very fucking shocked at some of the stuff in there. Like you know, I mean, I, mean? I was, I mean, everything I think about does. I mean, I, I think about you know films you should be made. Everything I watch a film, mm-hmm. there's, there's only a, as I say, there's a select amount of films you can choose. Made yeah. out of. It's it's either Harry Potter or spies. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, but, but but it can't have any sex. No, no sex. No, you can if, if for sex in it, I pretend going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly when it's over, and then we just send it on to each other. <laughs> like, what, what occurred? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no. no, I was going to say something terrible. Well, I was going to say, I can tell you. He's very fast. You said it first. We were all thinking uh, this. But uh, no, I mean, Touch of Evil, it, um, do, you ever, do you ever get a film that just, it just doesn't doesn't feel like it's it's a set it just has such a richness of set and everything it's it's that scene it's that scene in the river at the end that's for me that that's like yeah. the 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 image for me yeah and i'm fucking rubbish and a fucking melee you know just up under a bridge at the end and, and it's just the bridge isn't well constructed it's all fucking broken and all it's just i just as that broken word itself and it's just it's such a fucking it, strong image to me it links back to what we were talking about earlier about shooting on location and, and just the kind of the richness and, and the the realism that it gives it and it's just, you know, I mean, the reason I'm saying Touch of Evil is perfect, I mean, people that obviously listen to this podcast, you know, uh, watch films, but some some people don't, and that's one of the films, if you want to watch a film from the 50s and you're not sure, I want to two hours, it may be shit, it may be good, whatever, I would rec- definitely recommend Touch of Evil. 100%, I like that. Okay, and we'll wrap it up there. So don't forget, you can still enter our competition. Just email us your answers. Uh, how do you connect John Wayne and Macaulay Culkin with actors, directors they work with? Email us at letstalkmoremovies at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast, and at Twitter, at Talk More Movies. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, leave us comments, reviews, whatever you like. And that is episode 12. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shan Coyle has been Shan Coyle. Yeah! Calm Heron's been Calm Heron. Goodbye, baby. Goodbye.
Hvorfor er frækkeren Jasper? <laughs>